welcome to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 33, diddly fucking D. Yeah, and yeah. it's Armageddon 2000 coming to us from Sweet Home, Alabama. Hello everyone once again, I'm Kevin Mann, joined in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. First of all, he's been there, he's done that, and I've used this intro before. It's Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hey there, Kevin. I want to you... think of a new one for this edition. I kind of thought one good one for you, and I thought, you know... That's, that's it for the rest of the show That's it, now. you can ride that one. No. Until that you think this is about coffee gimmick gets tired. Yeah, yeah. okay. I keep saying that. Or until you become the baddest man on the planet. So I, well, can't, yeah. I, I can't see that happening, if I'm honest. You can wrestle for that. Looking forward to talking about some Armageddon. The end is near. The end is here, Kevin. And it's not even the theme song. No, this. I know, but the song is played, so I finally can sing it now. It's okay. And to my right, unquestionably, he is the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello. How's things, Billy? Not bad, not bad. I are you looking forward to talking about Arma again? Yes, I am. <laughs> can we do the whole podcast? <laughs> Batch number. <laughs> it will never get old, I swear to God. Well, we've decided to traipse down south for this one, and it's in a bit of a, a rocket buster since uh, the last time we visited the WWF. As we all know, Triple H was dropped off a very large, precarious perch at the end of our last pay-per-view, seemingly killed and left for dead, never to be seen again. But he's back, don't worry, and things are getting a little bit chaotic, because we're going to have a hell in a cell with six fucking people in it. It's Armageddon 2000. Just before we dive straight into the pay-per-view here, we have got a magazine that's, you know, not worth mentioning this month, but it's better than usual. It's a picture of Lita looking rather sexy, obviously, in front of a chain-link fence that's covered in Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. It says electrifying Leah, but the only reason I thought this was worth bringing up is just because in the corner it just says, Austin, Austin, Austin. <laughs> no explanation, that's all Electrif- Electri- Electrifying Leah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> she is she is electrifying. Yeah, I guess. Like, I feel kind of weird about that. It's just literally Austin, Austin, Austin written in the corner. Austin, I quite like Austin, about Austin. That. That's what Jim Ross thinks about when he's looking at Leah, I guess. Like, <laughs> Austin, you know. Austin, Austin. Austin, Austin. Well, here we go. The end is here indeed. Finally, it's appropriate to uh, to use that phrase. Can I also can I also say that the music here is a WCW ripoff of Sweet Home Alabama? Oh yeah, the actual Absolute, theme song. It's ridiculous. Well, later. I will point out for the record. Actual theme for this was Sweet Home Alabama. So they had oh, to change network it. version. Sweet home Albany. I'll take that back then. I thought everyone was phoning in a bit there. I'm really glad you mentioned that because it annoyed the fuck out of me how much that's been stuck in my fucking head. I'm doing all kinds of things. I've had a bit on a bit of a holiday and enjoying myself. And it's <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, even if it was the original Sweet Home Alabama, I don't think that's an appropriate track for this pay-per-view. Oh. Armageddon. It's made Pure, after purely the because it is in 
That's Alabama. all it is, yeah. It's a six-man hell in a cell and you want to come out to ding 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 Maybe if they change it to Werewolves of London, which sounds very <laughs> I think the one thing I liked about this though is that one, they were in Alabama, so they're giving them their song. Yeah. At number two as well, the poster for this was Undertaker on a bike with loads of like zombies and oh, yeah, or following cords him. following and it yeah. said, Lord, I'm coming home to you. Mm. And I thought something about the juxtaposition of Six men in hell in a cell, really, with Three Home Alabama was was pretty it gave me goosebumps as a child. Sweet home Armageddon. <laughs> Sweet home Alabama. <laughs> we are previewing in this video package that starts us off the many moments leading to Foley making this match. Uh, it's become somewhat of an unsafe working environment in WWF at the moment. Um, after the last pay-per-view, The Undertaker had some uh, serious intentions with Kurt Angle, which we'll get into later. Mm. And obviously what Steve Austin did to Triple H, uh, Vince McMahon has come back and is kind of like, right, it's gotten a bit mental here. <laughs> you know, there's table matches happening, loads of hardcore stuff, people are getting injured. Getting thrown off cranes. And Foley, his rationale behind setting this match is that anytime he has a match with Kurt Angle, you know, you know, someone will interfere. If Triple H has a match, Austin will interfere for Kishi as a match The Rock will interfere if Undertaker as a match Kurt will interfere fuck it put him in a Hell in a Cell I, I do like um, Jerry's reason for the, Foley making the Hell in a Cell purely that Foley is bitter but his career is over <laughs> <laughs> he wants to end as many careers in the same way his career ended and Vince McMahon I love this because Vince was gone for ages he came back very briefly just to kind of extract Stephanie from the storylines as mm. we mentioned but he's come back now in full in full scale because he's like look I know I don't run this place at the moment but all these are up. it's like all these are my investments and if Steve Austin gets injured or the rock gets injured I'm out millions of dollars this can't happen so he's not he's not exactly playing the, the heel but he's not playing the face either he's constantly he, the he's, tweener, yeah it's the it's voice just, of billionaire reasons yeah he's, <laughs> a, he's, he's a heel jump. with justification I think we've, we've not seen that side of Vince so far in a while yeah, yeah for some time because seen the last time we saw him he said he was a genetic jackhammer and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. uh, it's nice to see him back he is now just a, a bloke yeah who yeah. happens to run the company it's, it's pretty awesome to see him back though on our screens I do like seeing Vince uh, the fucking star power in this mm. It's like six guys. They couldn't do that these days. They couldn't find six guys no. of this caliber. No. Because anytime there's an elimination chamber, there's always a fucking Kofi Kingston or a. Well, you could argue Rikishi is kind of out here. I still don't feel Rikishi Mate, is main event. He status. ran over. De, de, um, de, he ran over to Steve Austin. Yeah, so they then, keep telling then, us. Then, so. they, then he lost two pay per view matches. And <laughs> yeah, and now he's in and a looks like a complete chump. Yeah, yeah, but he's also a bad man, so you know. He's, he's probably the, bad he's, he's, he's the one who, who stands out in this one, maybe a little bit. Also, in this video package, many missiles. Yeah. Yes. So we've had now with Vince, now that Vince has come back, uh, a power struggle with Mick Foley. He's kind of like, because Foley was unquestioned the top guy running the show for yeah. so long. And now you've got Vince coming in, kind of undermining him and whatnot. And I remember as a kid being really scared that Mick Foley was going to uh, not be commissioner anymore. Because like, I nearly cried when he lost his Cactus Jack in the, the Hell in the Cell had to retire. I'm like, I can't do this twice yeah. <laughs> in less than a year. You're killing me here, guys. Seriously. JR guarantees us at the start of this that someone's career will end tonight. Yeah, strong words. Is that like, is that cause to buy a pay-per-view? Come and see the end of an athlete's in-ring career. Imagine yeah. Foley's just kind of going, bro, I'm your mate. Are you going to make me get fired? <laughs> Spoiler alert, 
nothing happens. <laughs> Vince McMahon has said though that if Foley, if someone does get injured in this main event, Foley's out. Foley's out. He's mm-hmm. fired. And but Foley out. says it as well. Like if Foley says, I will legitimately resign if someone is hurt. But I believe that these guys can can do it and not get hurt. Now, you see, I didn't realise it was Vince that made that stipulation. I thought Mick made this six-man match and then he was like, oh, and if anyone gets hurt, I'll retire. Like, yeah. I thought he was a fucking idiot for doing that, but it was Vince that actually made that stipulation. Yeah, yeah, it was Vince's right. call. So again, that makes sense. kind of playing that kind of... He is the voice of logic in this, yeah. Yeah. to an extent. Um, just a quick recap as well. I mean, I guess at the end of Survivor Series 2000 and him being dropped off a giant forklift... Were you fixing to see Triple H wrestling for the championship in a Hell in a Cell match? No. No, I didn't no. really think that would... Not this quickly, anyway. Austin, no dually shit. See yeah. you in two weeks. Yeah. Do you know how long he was gone for? Two and a half weeks. Jesus. And he was gone for two and a half weeks, and we were told that he had been given bumps and bruises, okay, but he hadn't broken anything. So he was just banged up. That just makes him look like a complete pansy, though. Like, he's... He's had a few bumps and he's not shown up to work for two and a half weeks. It's, but like, it's silly that like, you dropped out of a car. You can understandably say, all right, mate, we get it. You're, you're hurt. He was crushed. He was squished <laughs> inside of an automobile. Like, yeah. yeah. Take time off. And Steve Austin, I thought that was him getting his revenge there. And what mm-hmm. you have is the, the night after Stephanie comes back and she's like, oh, Triple H is sorry about the whole car thing again. <laughs> now he's know. saying sorry. What kind of fucking heel is and he? Then, Austin came out and said he was sorry, sorry the Triple H is in the hospital, and not the morgue. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he, yikes. He also said he was sorry for the baby that Stephanie and Triple H were going to have. Because I think we're now led to believe that Triple H is some sort of sterile vegetable after one Right. Jeez. It's, it's odd. That's weird. I mean... Serious Steve Austin, right? Very Those serious. Are some big things to say. So yeah, that's just kind of how we are on the whole, um, you know, the front of that. Because Triple H just comes back two weeks later and laid out Austin, and it's as if none of this happened. Survivor Series was not an end point to what this at all. What was the point all. in it then? It was absolutely that no means point the in entire it, Stone Cold getting run down thing just like poof. Kind of was that's for it. for nothing really. It all wow. seems like. Well, they will attempt to tie it all up before they were end, before the end of the Attitude Era, but it's just kind of silly. I mean. Did you have the forklift on hire and you had to do it at Survivor Series? Yeah. <laughs> like, was the, the lease due? On you had to give it back so we can still get the deposit. Yeah, clearly. Coming up first on our opening contest, we have the Hardy Boys with Lita taking on the team of Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero in a six-person elimination intergender match. It all got started when Dean Malenko, the busy lot, hit the way title against Lita. If Lita lost, she will go on a date with Dean Malenko. And that date happened last Thursday night on SmackDown. Lita going for a hurricane run that was blocked. Malenko's got the submission on, and Lita's got a tap out, and Malenko's successful. And now we have a date! Ever since you approached me, I just wanted to ask one question. How's your wife feel about that? What? As far as my wife is concerned, 
Let that go for now. Well, baby, there's just one thing left. What's that? Turn off the lights. I actually like to do it with the lights on. Champagne Dean? What? This all came about because Dean Malenko wanted to do a date on Lita and Lita ended up agreeing to giving him a date on the condition she could wrestle him for the championship. The cruiserweight, the cruiserweight belt that Dean has. So they did actually wrestle, and it was a pretty good match. But Dean won, mm. and they did this whole kind of like it was pretty fucking horrible because like Dean won, put her in like the cloverleaf, and she's like bent backwards. Then afterwards, she's like kind of like all upset and crying. It's kind of like I know I can be him, I can do this. Ah. And then Dean goes on his uh, hot date with Lita because he beat her in a match, and <laughs> they're in like the locker room, and Lita's got like a nice dress on and all that. And uh, Dean Malenko shows up with like you know a, a scarf and a bouquet of roses, like date night Dean. Who he is? Hi, I'm date Dean. Nice to meet me. <laughs> How do you like your eggs in the morning, Lisa? He's intense. He just looks so intense, even though he's going to be on a date right now. He looks <laughs> frightening. He's always on. Yeah, like, he can't he can, turn it off. Can't yeah. turn off the, the the man of a thousand holes, Iceman gimmick. <laughs> he's there in the restaurant with Lita, and it's mad awkward. The two of them sharing a little bit of dinner. And Dean, who is shorter than Lita, just turns to her and goes, You can't deny your feelings, Leto. <laughs> now, I don't know what Leto's are, but they sound ruddy delicious. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, if anyone wants to send us a nice crunchy bag of Leto's, um, I'm up for that. And then it came to it that she, she said that, yes, oh, I'm passionately in love with you, and we, we, let's go to the hotel now. And they go back to the hotel. <laughs> Dean is lying there, and he goes... Uh, like, hey, baby, you know, let's turn out the lights. And she goes, um, what does your wife think about this? Because <laughs> he's shoot married. He's like, but the thing is, he's got the wedding ring on. And this is something I, I will never understand about wrestling. When you have a moment like this, and they don't acknowledge the fact that the cameras are there. Yeah. He's a, Dean Malenko is essentially about to cheat on his wife <laughs> on national she, television. She doesn't get UPN, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's something that always, it's always confused me, that. Mm. Having yeah. Going, how they can't acknowledge that the cameras are there. Well, I mean, there's been moves in recent years that one of the big things that TNA tried to pioneer recently, well, like 2010-11, was that any time there was a backstage camera, it was kind of like a handheld. It was like, a foyer yeah. kind of thing. And if it was like, oh, if you overheard the secret meeting, it's because someone was peeking through the door mm. and all that. Do you think that's like a better approach? Or? Yes. I think maybe, yeah. Mm. But then TNA also had the, um, the bad thing of the wrestlers legitimately didn't know at times that they were being recorded and we're talking about the fucking finishes of the match and just talking um, about any old shit and they kept it in the fucking show yeah so there's a line I suppose at this point um, so they're about to have sex and Dean says there's only one thing left to do baby and that's turn out the lights because I mean Dean Malenko obviously is ashamed of his body and therefore must make, <laughs> must make all of his love yeah. in the dark and I'm thinking I thought Dean would be a stud he's got a thousand holes yeah the man of a thousand positions. Yeah. You want the lights on, showing off. Seriously, you know? He's going to put her in the Texas Cloverleaf. <laughs> and then, of course, the lights come back on. And who's there but those two vagabonds, those ragamuffins, playing a jape, Matt and Jeff. Champagne, Dean. <laughs> Where's my dog, Dean? And they smash the bottle over his head and throw the flowers on him and, like, throw the bed over him. 
And there was like kind of, it was like, I remember as a kid, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. But then there was definitely a moment where Dean is like lying there covered in flowers and broken glass in a shitty travel lodge. And all the Hardys are like, let's go, guys. Oh, like, yeah. ah, that's a rubbish date. That's the worst first date, I think. No wonder he's so angry. He was a bit of a meanie, though. You know, he was a bit of a bugger, Dean Malenko. I think he had it coming. I mean, I guess this, I mean, forewarning, guys, if you're going to beat someone in a match to go on a date with them, don't expect a happy ending. Well, don't worry, because I think going by the Radicals track record, then hopefully within two months' time, then Lita will be the mamacita of uh, (laughs) Dean Malenko. Cool double teams on Eddie Guerrero to start, and massive fucking Eddie sucks chance and heat for, mm. for Eddie. What do you think of Eddie's jabroni jobber gear that he had on? I, I did. I I kind of like that gear itself. The kind of the the black uh, tur- the, sorry the black vest with the the tights. Yeah, he looked like he, he was like ashamed and didn't want to go into the pool. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, yeah. Really strange, even though there's three radicals, and even though Eddie does fuck all, straight away you get Eddie sucks chance and big booze, and he's just standing there. Yeah. His haircut and his past actions against China are so offensive to the audience. That's heat. Uh, quickly, uh, start of the match, we get a swanton to Eddie Guerrero, who's quickly eliminated. Jerry calls Lita a no-good floozy. But he says she wrestles good, so that's the best <laughs> yeah, compliment you can <laughs> Peaks and troughs with Jerry the King Lawler. Perry Saturn catches Jeff Hardy mid-air and delivers the Death Valley driver, which was a fucking sweet spot. Then to Jeff be eliminated. Dragon suplex by Perry Saturn. You can take me out on a first date anytime you want to, Perry, with shit like that. Seriously, it's beautiful. <laughs> However, a twist of fate by Matt eliminates Perry, and Terry enters the ring and is immediately beaten down by Lisa. She just kind of comes in and her pants show and the crowd goes apeshit and she just falls out. Mm. Yeah. Hard day at the office. That's all she does though <laughs> nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. It's, she, what do you reckon of Terry with the radicals? They, I actually forget that she's with them. Really she's such a non-factor. Yeah. You've got these four incredible technical masters and then just some diva. Because like, when... They were all plotting and stuff with Triple H and eating hummus. Terry was there as well, like yeah. just sitting at the side, part of the master plan, like you know, the inner circle. Can I just say as well, the legal man syndrome in this match. <laughs> we we think it's the Hardys now. That's our yeah. theory. It's it's yeah. the Hardys it's, specifically. It's, it it nearly always starts with Matt. It's I've noticed it now. Walks the into the ring when he it's, feels it's, like it's it. Matt Hardy who who always starts it. And then it kind of just turns into a mess and the other teams start doing it as well. Because they just can't keep... Uh, is it, it the ref's fault for... The not... ref should be on top of it. I guess the ref so. should be on top of it, but so should the wrestler. Yeah. yeah. The re- like, I know you're doing a lot of stuff and your mind's going to be in a lot of places when you're in a match with yeah, yeah. this many people. But you must have it in your head. Yeah. I'm not the legal man. It's a tag match. We've been in a few of these. You are we a tag the team. Yeah. First and foremost, these guys are tag team wrestlers. That's what they do. They should. They didn't check the controls before they started the game. They <laughs> skipped the tutorial and they just yeah. do whatever they want. The camera can follow you if you, you know. Malenko gets the, uh, sorry, uh, Matt gets distracted by the ladies beating up each other. And Malenko quickly rolls up Matt Hardy. Which means we're down to two. Dean Malenko and Lisa. What are your thoughts on intergender wrestling. I swear I've asked you this before, but mm. when it's come down to this kind of man and a woman coming down. I mean, we obviously have China an awful lot, but China was always somebody who's kind of given an asterisk in that she was always in with the, the men. But Lita, even though she kind of, she does moves on guys loads. Mm. Her like wrestling in with Dean here, what do you think? I, th- I like it, to be honest. If, if it makes sense and it's handled properly, I don't have any issue with whatsoever. Yeah. I think it can be done really well. I don't have an issue with it either. I mean, if it was... Because it seemed fairly 
two-sided. Yeah, exactly. Lita, yeah. Lita, Lita was showing that she could hang. She could beat Dean. It was like, conceivable. If, like. if it was just five or so, I think it's only like five minutes until the end of the match. Yeah, it was point. very short. Yeah, but yeah. like if it was just five minutes of Malenko just kicking the shit out of her, mm. I would be really uncomfortable. Because I've watched a match where it's like Cesaro and Sarah Del Rey, and it's intergender, and they're obviously like husband and wife, and it was in Chikara. And I remember feeling quite uneasy in the match. It's an amazing match, don't get me wrong. But it's because the majority of the match is Cesaro just beating her down. Like, yeah. you know, she gets no fucking like chance. and like, She gets a few hope spots and it's like, no, shut down. And that makes me feel a little uneasy, even though they do the eventual upset or whatever. Yeah. But this I kind of liked, which is kind of like, this she's in works. there with a cruiserweight. They wrestle the same kind of style mm-hmm. that yeah. they might be able to kind of pull it off. Lita just gets huge moves straight away and big counters and she is hugely over. Even here in, in Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, they love Lita. A moonsault to standing Dean Malenko, which was oh, very yes. impressive. He catches her amazingly. And then Dean muscles Lita into the corner and does a top rope superplex. Mm-hmm. Lita just crashes to the fucking mat because she's like she's so light yeah. and Dean is so light as well I guess it's just crazy to see Dean does a bugger red pin in that he pins her and he goes oh go school you know like, <laughs> he the, David flares her like the booze yeah. he gets from that like I think the crowd would have sooner him just have pin her let it be over yeah. Yeah. if I stands up he gets booze he gets booed so mercilessly bad. and then we get really uncomfortable commentary mm-hmm. as like Dean like doesn't end the match and kind of just goes on a little bit too long. Yes, yeah. definitely. At this point, definitely I too think. Long. The Clove Relief, though, Lita taps immediately and, like, he won't let go of the hole. It's like, yikes. Yeah. You know, he's got the mad eyes and all that. Uh, Dean throws Lita out of the ring and then he's chased away by the Hardy Boys. So it's kind of like. I felt it was a bit of a, a heel moment here. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lita really just got beaten, then thrown out, and, yeah. like, Dean got away, really. And the post match interview with Cole, like, broke my heart. Yeah. Great effort, tremendous effort, so close. I know I can beat him. I know I can. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. What did she say? She knows she can beat him. She was fucking dead and she yeah. was yeah. gassed. I know I can beat him. Yeah, her just saying, I know I can beat him. It, it, it did tug at your heartstrings. Yeah. Was like, yeah, you can, Lee. You, you definitely can. They, and I hope we get to see that. They did eventually on a rod do the two of them wrestle. And uh, Lita did pin Dean in a multi-man match. I would have loved to have seen that on a pay-per-view. But I felt that, like, yeah, because, I mean, you'd already done the match on Raw, and I thought that, kind of, I thought there was just one extended, Dean gets his heat back after yeah. having yeah. some champagne. <laughs> but uh, Hardys were, weren't very impressive in this one. Lita, though, quite a standout performance, yeah, I absolutely. think, for her, definitely. Backstage, Kurt Angle chats beating Bulgarians and claims supreme confidence in tonight's Hell in a Cell match. A little thing you might notice, as the six main wrestlers are all in one match, we've got a lot of padding tonight. A yes. lot of padding. Everyone gets an interview. So much. Angle refers to Triple H as a nose here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not afraid of like a badass, an eyebrow, a nose, an ass, you know. A nose. <laughs> that, that's all you are, mate. And he even turns to Lillian and says, would you like to see my career come to an end, Lillian? And she's just like, I, I, I guess. <laughs> Poor LG, like. Uh, he says he's going to win tonight and celebrate with a big glass of milk. As you do. I love that. The, the thought when I was a kid of Kurt Angle being in this match, which was, this was... Even Triple H, I was like, oh, that's hollow ground. That's like Foley, Undertaker kind mm. of. Triple H isn't going to survive here. But Kurt, 
Kurt was like a, he was a pansy. He was going to be killed in this Hell in the Cell. I really wanted to see Kurt get like killed in this yeah. match. <laughs> we get multiple recaps throughout the night as well of previous Cell matches. Yeah, this is another moment where you can tell that this is just padding. Yeah. But they show us all the Hell in a Cell matches. And not just all. all of them. We see each big spot from each match gets its own video package. So... Foley lighting the barbed wire 2x4, own package. Mankind through the cell, own package. Mankind off the cell, own package. Yeah. You know, It's it's a bit much. Yeah. Way too much. Yeah, they could have easily squeezed another match on here, I, I would have would have figured. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, in a in a match defending the honour of his cousin coming from the UK pay-per-view Rebellion, which was a few nights before, William Regal takes on the hometown boy. It's the spark plug himself, and he's back and badder than ever, Bob Holly. How do you like me now? It's for the European Championship. William Regal tells the fans about Hankies and bestiality. He's, Stop it. He's, he's proper Kaufmaning this, isn't he? Seriously. So this is a handkerchief. It's <laughs> so you rub it on your body. It's that proper ham-fisted healery that's like surprisingly effective. So good. The pop for Holly when he came out, the hometown boy. Yeah. He's like, you know, really like, he looks fucking huge. Mm. Holly here is bigger than I've ever seen him. And I'm thinking... Fucking Bob Holly and William Regal, these lads are going to hurt each other. And yeah. if the stiff blows at the start, they're just digging each other. Potato farmers, the both of them. And Regal in this one with the grunts at him. Oh, so grunty. He does a top rope superplex, which is... Yeah. Oh. Uh, the hometown pop, however, basically diminishes straight away. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to see someone like Harker Holly, who really, I guess because WWE never came to Alabama, no. he didn't really have that connection with the hometown crowd. Yeah. It was kind of like, hey, that's where we're from. Now what? You know? Yeah. It was a bit of a shame. You can tell how sort of the, how much the crowd affects the match by uh, the commentary, because it's around about this point that. Um, King King asks Jr. if he has a handkerchief, and Jr. says no. I mean, Jerry, Jerry's being a nice man. It says, it says here you can have mine. <laughs> gives him his one. He gives him a handkerchief. Mate, if you're given a handkerchief from Jerry Lawler, <laughs> I just want to see those hands on the desk before I get that handkerchief. That's all I'm saying. You know. He, he also asks what the state slogan is. Uh, his theory is four million people, fifteen last names, which oh, really, made, really made me laugh. That's a good one. <laughs> he, he did irritate me though in this match because of the bestiality line, because they were dead. Like you've got fucking Bob Holly and this bow and arrow lock from William Regal, and Jerry just going bah, <laughs> farm animals, <laughs> bah. Imagine having sex with a with a sheep instead of a girl. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it was a bit much. Bob's drop kicks. A beautiful thing to say. I was going to bring this up. I actually think that Bob Holly might have my favourite dropkick in wrestling. I think he is the best Him and ever. Mr. Perfect, they're both like really, really close. Maybe Dolph Ziggler mm. might put him in there yeah. as well. Yeah. But Maven, from obviously from Tough Enough, it was the only move he had, but he, he did it well. Like you know, He, he stuck what brought him to the dance, the dropkick. It's, it's, it's like Mean Street Fighter. Shuriken, 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 shuriken. Oh, it's, it's just that beautiful kind of drop kick where you manage to get your feet on someone and it looks like he's actually launching himself off the opponent. Like, I it's almost like he gets a second jump in there. Somehow. And when he, like, the way he lands, he stands up straight away and puts his hands yeah. up in the air like that. Bob Holly, so fucking athletic. We also get a guillotine leg drop off the top rope by Hardcore. Which mm. I didn't expect to see that, you know. Jerry laughs at the woman in the front row. 
<laughs> he's just being written mean now, yeah. I think. Jerry is from the South, and therefore he seems to be in Southern Heel mode, making yeah. fun of everyone's mothers and sisters, <laughs> you know? Because of the broken arm that Kurt Angle gave him with his botched moonsaults, we seem to have uh, moments here where they're talking about Bob Holly now having a plate in his forearm. Right. And they're kind of like, oh, Bob's going to use that metal plate in his forearm as an illegal advantage. Like Luger. Kind of like Luger did, yeah. yeah. And he does at one point clock Regal, like, oh, that's it. What a fucking heel. <laughs> the hometown boy. Seriously, he's got William Regal used to get chastised for the knocks. He's basically got them melded onto his actual <laughs> bone and he's using them well, against him. That doesn't even work. I've got a plate in my leg. And that's not made my leg stronger. It's, say, made, your it's, made, it's made my leg weaker. Like <laughs> I thought it was going to be why your finisher is sweet chin music. Like, <laughs> back out like the medically enhanced leg. Like, you know, Bob Holly gets a few shots in with his loaded forearm, and then Raven just comes out and attacks Hardcore Holly. Why, you may ask? Yeah, why? Just cause. Just cause. The it's feuding in the, in the lower card, really. Wow. That's it. It, it happens so close to the ref as well. Mm. How could he not hear yeah, or feel quite, that impact? Quite ridiculous when you think about it. I do want to point out as well, this was kind of... The reason why Big Cousin Bob here, and he, they didn't mention this on commentary at all, which I thought was interesting. The reason why Big Cousin Bob was taken on William was because of what William did to Crash and Molly on Raw after Rebellion. And Rebellion, Crash managed to like sneak away with the belt and William like went apeshit and he beat up Crash and Molly. The next night on Raw, when Crash was trying to get the belt back, which was meant to be his, Regal not only got the belt back, he then beat the absolute crap out of Molly and put her in like the Regal stretch. Jesus. And it was like, and he was proper vicious and like, my God. And Molly got taken away on a stretcher. Did wow. it? They did a stretcher job for her and everything. And they don't even mention it here. Wow. I thought that's kind of like, I like the idea of the story of Big Cousin Bob coming to help, you know, his Molly and Crash, who've been fucked over by this evil heel. But this and is just presented like it's something that's just been thrown together. Because it's the hometown yeah. boy giving the Euro- European title shot. That's what it felt like. I would say, like, maybe they regretted doing the whole vicious attack on Molly I think thing, so. But, like, they did just have Dean, like, give a Game of Thrones finish to Lita where he just beat the shit out Actually, of Actually, think like, about these having so close together, there was probably, like, a period on Raw where, like, Molly and Lita were just being beaten up. Like, yeah. it's really horrible, like... That's like a bit much, I think, for one show to have that many intergender storylines at once, I think. Absolutely. Um, Regal wins, though. Pretty nothing match, I thought. Yeah, yeah very no, damn. Nothing to write home about at all. Yeah, after the hometown pop, there was nothing to it, really. Recap of Angle turning full-on Heisenberg and beating up both Triple H and Rikishi. One of Angle's real standout moments, I thought, as a heel. The fact that he felt that he couldn't trust Triple H and Rikishi, who had an alliance because of yeah. the, the running over, and he just took it to them, and he lays them out, mm. gives them his finishing move. I thought Kurt looks... They did a good job of making him look legitimate here. Yeah. Independent. like He's actually standing on his own two yeah. feet for once. Backstage. K, 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 K. Here comes Kelly... Kevin Kelly with Rikishi. Rikishi with his lime green thing oh, here. So awful. <laughs> the biggest bowl of pistachio ice cream you ever did see. <laughs> he says he's going to win. He's pretty much, nah, he's not. But he can't even run over someone properly. <laughs> yeah, he can barely speak. Do you not worry about Triple H? Boo, I worry about <laughs> Triple H. Beep, boop, adito. Speaking in noises. <laughs> Coming up next. The right to censor continue their crusade against vulgarity and Playboy magazine as the Knife of the World, China, takes on Val Venus. 
the right to censor in case you forgot hate Playboy. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? If you are a Playboy at this point, you've got to fucking love this. When did this fucking magazine come out? It was like months Whoa. before yeah. this. They're still going. And Playboy comes out like every month, I guess. Mm. So like they always go like, oh, highest selling issues of all time. Because they make it part of the storyline, which drags out for half a year. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's like, they're, are they getting loads of money from Playboy for this? Or are they kind of so chuffed with the fact I that... Think, I think, think it's the second one. The yeah. latter, definitely. But either way, I think that Hugh Hefner must be rubbing his hands together. Because this is like, at their hottest periods, mm. biggest ratings you could hope for. Because WCW was going completely into the black here yeah. at this point. They really got a lot out of it. Also, another intergender storyline going on. Yeah. Here. Third one. Third in the one. three matches you had tonight, there's a third storyline. Stephanie McMahon at the helm here. Seriously. Yeah. I wonder if that's a play. Maybe, maybe. It might well be. Again, I think if you're doing three at once, you're increasing the risk that it's gonna like be you know, go into the tasteless end of things. Yeah, exactly. maybe, mm, you definitely. Know? Can I just say as well that China looks like she should be chained to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> She's just wearing like <laughs> I I find it strange like that she kind of she is just wearing like bikinis at this yeah. point. Yeah. And as well. It's not the China that got over. Not really. It's like just. They've completely kind of. I don't know if it is because of all the backstage fallout with Triple H and all of that. And I'm not it sure. Just, it just seems like. I assume she would have a say in her outfits, but it just seems to be like she is literally like in a. just in a bikini. Like, yeah. And it's kind of. How many times have we watched. Uh, a match where China's like flimsy fucking shoestring falls outfit apart. falls apart. It's, it's a yeah. bit like, I don't know, I think she deserves a bit better than that almost. Jim Ross says, right to censor, want to burn all the Playboy magazines. <laughs> a really hot start to this one. Val Venus can go and he looks livid in this one. He's also dropped his ice cream pants. About time. He's wearing plain black pants. Yeah, you yeah. look like you fit in now, Val. I think he's part of the team now. Val dominates this match quite early on. China like really sells well. She looks she actually does a good job but like kind of making Val look like this fucking psycho at this point. JR at one point as China's being worked over pimps her new autobiography, If They Only Knew. What I'm gonna do to you You'd be running out of here as fast as two feet could carry you. Oh dear. Mate of mine had this one. What? Uh, he did. He had If They Only Knew and to call it like Alan Partridge's book, Bouncing Back. <laughs> like, China, the front cover is her smiling, basically saying, needless to say, I've had the last laugh. <laughs> and it's not odd as well at this point that this is when, this is meant to be kind of happening big time, like China, in terms of, like, her losing backstage cloud, Stephanie and Triple H going out for realsies, but autobiography, Playboy, Playboy shoot, yeah. I mean, you can't deny that they are giving her stuff yeah. here, mm. I guess. Something, yeah. She's going down the card, but increasing her, her pop culture notoriety. I mean, the thing to bear in mind, though, is stuff like the book and the Playboy deal would have been set up months prior to this as yeah. well. It's not that they just appeared or anything, so maybe when they were in good graces with China, then maybe that's when that was set up, and it's just coming to fruition now. They didn't, like, kind of, when her book came out, it was, like, a mention here or there, and then she came out with the book on Raw and, like, started crying about how emotional it was it's kind of like, oh, oh dear like you Ooh. know she's there crying like don't forget you can see Chan in Playboy magazine oh. and she's not even wearing a smile <laughs> <laughs> Valvina's still in control JR says that Ivory who's at, who's at ringside once again looks like Lilith Crane yeah. this is the 
Fourth or fifth time he's made a Frasier reference, and the fourth time it's been a Lilith Crane one specifically. Just big that, fan. Big fan. Very big fan of Frasier, I guess, yeah. I mean, let's go in Jim Ross's house and watch The Sopranos and Frasier, like. That's what he <laughs> likes, and that's what we like. Does that technically mean, if Ivory is Lilith, that China is Daphne in this scenario? <laughs> I'm just, you know, thinking out loud here. I was about to say, we got a grunt of the night in this match, during when Fowl's getting his offense in. Big old scoop slam on China, and he shouts a big, yes, as he does it. <laughs> yes! China manages to get rid of Ivory, who's interfering in the match. So when China's making her little bit of a comeback there, she actually slams Val, and we get a second grunt of the night there. Wow. Again from Val, though. You know, normally it's the person doing the move that does the grunting. Yeah. But as Val is going down, he goes, <laughs> on the way down. <laughs> Sorry, I think Val is really a hot contender for the Grunt Hall of Fame now. I think I might have to induct Val Venus into the Grunt. We'll see how he fares over the next couple of months. You know, give him a little longer. <laughs> like the idea of you inducting him to come yeah, like a shirt and tie. I have like, to think about it, though. You, you know, hand the knees out. And then you, you rip up your speech. I know the people in the back aren't going to like this. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, he's going off script. <laughs> As she is distracted, she eats a Kenplex, brackets Valplex, and Val Venus wins this match. China then gets beat down after the match. Fucking Knight of Heels. Yeah. I remember being mad depressed as a, you know, at the outcome of, of it. Like, as a kid, now, I, this is one of the ones I watched and you know, stayed up for. It was kind of like, wow. All the baddies are winning here. Yeah. That didn't happen often. Not nice. You know? so it's not a nice feeling. Backstage, Stephanie and Vince, she is very scared for Triple H. Not only because of his recent injuries with Austin, but because, and this I love so much, she's talking about No Way Out, and she's like, I saw what that match did to Hunter, and he's not been the same since, and he can't go back in there, because he was at the top of his game back when he faced Mick, and now he's like so hurt, and so like fragile. And I love this, like again... I was a bit miffed when they made Triple H heel just for the purposes of that Austin storyline because I thought he had a real interesting thing going. But this, again, is a nice little wrinkle, which is like Triple H is not 100%. No, he's definitely had that fall from grace over the past year. And it's like kind of, he's a hurt and he's in a match where it's, he's almost the underdog in this one, Triple H, out of everyone. He's, he's pretty much fucked. More ominous cell music and shots of it. Seriously, it's like the 10th time they've done it now. I never get tired of that music, though. Badass. K Diddle Diddle, the cat and the fiddle, the dish ran away in the spoon. Fuck's sake. Kelly, Kevin Kelly. Fucking hell. In the cell with The Undertaker. Standing in the center of the ring is The Undertaker. Many hours from now here in Birmingham. All the seats in the arena will be filled. Fans prepare to see Hell in the Cell tonight. Workers, as we speak, are putting the finishing touches on the cell. And I wanted to know your thoughts as we stand in the center of the ring with this cell all around you. My thoughts. What do you think my thoughts are? You know, this is a time for reckoning. A reckoning with myself. To this day, I still have visions of the things that I've done to men in this cell. And then knowing what I'm going to have to do tonight to win the WWF Championship. You see, this cell brought out a side in me. Hell, it even scares myself. You know, it's a side that's almost more animal than it is human. I want, no, I crave the feeling of taking another man and ripping his face off. Taking his face and grinding it against the steel till the flesh is gone and all that's left is blood. Hell in the Cell number one, Shawn Michaels. 
I took his battered little body and I threw it up on my shoulder and I rammed it into the cage, man. And he bled and he bled. And the more he bled, the more I wanted him to bleed. Undertaker just walking around with his hands like kind of going, and over here while I do some moves on Shawn Michaels. <laughs> over here I bet up Mick Foley, and over here I bet up Shawn Michaels. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny, he, he recaps all of his cell antics. Not the big boss one though. <laughs> Come on go, you see over here? This is where the big boss man put a pair of shitty gimmicked handcuffs. <laughs> you know what happened? He whiffed me with his nightstick and then they just fell off. It was awkward, Michael. Very awkward. Uh, I didn't like the... Uh, I thought there was a real issue with sound editing. He was very yeah. muffly yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He, he was all muffled. It sounded like... Well, I mean, it's, you're not going to get a great sound from being he's in a not wearing, stadium. And he didn't have a microphone. He wanted to put his hands on his leather yeah. jacket and look cool. Like. As, as well, every time they cut away to previous cell bits, and when they cut back to Taker... There isn't a fade. No, the, the music just stops. Yeah. So you like just you just going like bomb, 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 bomb. My odd. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it really distracted me just having that. It, it it just didn't sound right at all. No. Really jarring. It was kind of awkward. I did like the fact that they put over that out of everyone in the match, the person who's most dangerous in this is the Undertaker. Yeah. And while they always show highlights and clips of Foley falling off and falling through, but, but it's nice to know that he was the guy who was doing the throwing. You know. It's, yeah. That kind of makes him seem... And it's as if Undertaker ever came and go, do you know what I did? I threw Mick Foley off the handle cell. He never kind of went to that to get, like, heat or credibility. But it's nice to see here he finally gets to kind of do that. As hammy as what he's saying is, I actually really love this because he's saying, like, he's basically expressing that he's scared of what he does when he gets in the cell. Like, he says when he gets in the cell he can't control what he does and he just has to inflict a lot of pain on people. It's scary. And that, for the yeah. Undertaker to, like, actually say something like that is pretty interesting. Like, yeah. Like, not to mention that he coins a new phrase. Yes, one well. of his new catchphrases. Yeah, um, you know, about making people famous. I don't think he actually says, if you try me in this bit. Usually it became like, if you try me, I'll make you famous. I'll make you famous. Because <laughs> I'm the big yard in this dog. <laughs> <laughs> what about my yard, Jeff? Um, but he's a. Uh, He's got to make you famous, and the idea is that he's going to do something to someone tonight that will be so catastrophic that he will make them famous. Now, I don't like to say that he made Mick Foley famous, and therefore... So it helped. Certainly helped. Yes, but I'd say Mick Foley made himself famous. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he made Shawn Michaels famous, so mm. I think this catchphrase... Who made he make famous by beating up lots? John Heidenreich? <laughs> the D Great Cali? DDP, that's what DDP wanted. I'm Mc begging you! McFamous! <laughs> oh, who do we got coming out now? It's a mad, mad, mad Vince. Remember at the start where I told you that Vince McMahon had come back to be the voice of reason in this? Mm. Well, start your engines, folks, because now we're beginning a steady, downward, maddening, slippery spiral staircase of batshit insane Vince McMahon. As in, the stuff that happens over the next few months with Vince McMahon starting around here, wow, it's <laughs> even for him. And this is a point where a lot of long-term fans grew sick of the Vince McMahon character. The point where people kind of say that the show became like McMahon-a-mania almost. Happened to WrestleMania 2000. Mm. But here, we're coming to a point now where after this, Vince is getting like 20-minute promos. And he's not feuding with the wrestler. He's like feuding with himself. 
He just like comes out and chats for fucking ages about how he hates his family and his wife and how his life's gone to shit and yeah. goes on and on. And he comes out here. It's nice to see the Stooges with him. Mm. He comes out here. The Paris and Briscoe are back by his side, which is lovely to see them back in that role. And Vince is walking on a cane because in his attempt to lobby to get the people to not be in this match on the Raw before he had a last ride, a Stone Cold Stunner and a Rock Bottom. Jesus. Vince McMahon taking the last ride. <laughs> Can you imagine it's kind of like the Undertaker going, I see you going to give you a choke, like, give me the goddamn <laughs> And if you don't lift me up higher than that jabroni Xbox, you're goddamn fired. <laughs> higher. He's like, you know, higher. <laughs> He's, he says that he wants the fans to stand up. Stand up! In solidarity of saying stand no. Stand up! Yeah. And people stand up. Of yeah. course! What the fucking idiots doing? Yeah. Like, Mate, Vince Chief. McMahon wants this match to be cancelled, and there are people paying customers in the audience you're like ah yeah actually <laughs> he makes uh, a good point, point. we've also got some long term fans going no role will be rubbish if they're all injured they'll have to push Jericho instead can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine he asks for people to consider like the, the, the toll that's going to take on the wrestlers very much feeling like your kind of mum or dad kind of telling you like oh if everyone jumped off a cliff you know yeah. and if everyone went in the hell in a cell would you want to be in that too you know <laughs> that's his logic he gets people to stand up, and to Billy's point, a few people do. Most people are kind of like, uh-uh, Vince. No way. I'm sitting down. And he goes... <laughs> and they go even lower. They sit on the floor. They're just kneeling to... like, you know, <laughs> and genuflecting. And he goes, damn it, I said stand up. <laughs> and he said, fine then. Seeing as you're all going to not protest this match, you can deal with the consequences and you will all be mired in the afterbirth of this match. The afterbirth. <laughs> it's such amazing imagery, isn't yeah. it? I, mired in the afterbirth. When they said mired in the afterbirth, I could not think like one, two, three, whoever wins. And then like, you know the new blood in WCW would drop blood on no. everyone? But it's placenta. <laughs> you no. put that in my mind, Vince McMahon, you dirty son of a bitch. Coming up next... This has become a little bit, as we recovered Rebellion, this has now ended up becoming like a bit of like a storied rivalry. Yeah, this has become quite a thing now. I, I like that this has kind of gotten the time it deserves. Yeah, lots of uh, good chats about the coffee feud. It's the match that's the culmination of this hot, pretty hot feud actually, going on since Survivor Series through Rebellion. Kane taking on Y2J Chris Jericho in a last man standing match. And folks, this one started over coffee. Oh, how, how much more physical can it get? And can you believe it all started with a hot cup of coffee? I want this match. I need this match. Kane and Jericho, it's got to come to an end, and it will in a last man standing contest. I have a feeling things are going to come to a head at Armageddon. Because when this whole thing started with Kane and I, I thought it was all about coffee. Oh, sorry, champ. I hope that coffee didn't burn you. You think this is about coffee? This is about a man with a burning rage deep down inside of him. You want to see Chris Jericho? Well, the more you cheer for him, the more I hate him. This is about a man who cannot look into the mirror without seeing the ugly, bitter, unforgiving monster that's just waiting to escape. The more you want to see him, the more I want to end him. And the man I'm talking about isn't Cain. That man is me. Commissioner Rick Foley says this has to end in 
possessed. What is he's, wrong with him? He's possessed. Just some people do desperate things, and that certainly was a desperation move by Y2J. Y2J, Chris Jericho, with steel chair in hand, would be perfectly legal oh. in a last man standing match on pay-per-view at Armageddon. That means you got to keep your opponent down for a 10 count. That's the only way you can win this thing. Have you ever seen Kane down for a 10 count? I don't care what happens to him, he pops right up. Jericho Kane, Sunday at Armageddon, last man standing. Who will it be? You think this is about coffee? <laughs> I actually got a little bit sick of the coffee gimmick. Yeah, yeah seriously. This is clearly already. not about coffee. It's, it's not when like... we found out in the first match, this ain't about coffee. Stop it bringing it up. Yeah. It wasn't in Rebellion. It wasn't Survivor Series. Do you think this, after all that we've done, you still think this? <laughs> uh, I put him through a glass window. That's totally not about coffee anymore, <laughs> you know? The plate glass window, Jericho flying through it. Yeah, badass moment. The sugar glass window, apparently he complained, and a lot of people did, like when they've done this spot before, it's apparently rather dangerous still, the really? sugar glass. Yeah, you can get little bits trapped in you and get caught in your hair, and you can still get little nicks. It Ooh. breaks very easily, so I think it looks awesome, though. Yeah, it does. It does. It definitely One does. hand thrown through a fucking window, and on the other side there was like dignitaries or something like that diplomats just stood behind him like oh I say oh I say the ambassador won't like this like, they found the Assange get him out <laughs> I like the gimmick of this match it works really well I kind of thinking they had Monster Heel versus Pitbull Jericho what's the kind of match that will really put these two at odds and kind of give Jericho another hill to climb last man standing that seems like Kane who sits up you know yeah. this Perfect. is great like a great gimmick here and this is one of the first real uh, chances that Kane has to kind of show off in like in a match like this with, with someone like Jericho, not stuck with Undertaker or Kane. Mm. Like, it's nice to see him feuding like this. And Jericho obviously had an amazing last man standing match with Triple H before. So he's proved himself in this gimmick before. They start this match right at the top of the rank and it becomes a hardcore brawl quite quickly. They head backstage and grunt like motherfuckers. Yeah. They do a little bit of foreshadowing by wrestling near a giant truck full of hay. Yeah, I was just hmm. I, I, when I was watching it, I was just, why are they, why are they fighting next to a truck full of wood chippings? What is this? Yeah. I don't know. Why are they fighting next to a marshmallow factory? Like, <laughs> why why are they fighting next to an effigy of Vince McMahon made out of mattresses? Like, why are they fighting through all this soft stuff? Like, back in the ring, they get some back and forth action. Kane does a cool hangman spot again with Jericho. Oh, yeah, over his back. Fucking cool. Jericho goes for his spinning heel kick, and Kane just catches him midair and tosses him down. I fucking Love it. Uh, Jericho, like, he gets beaten hard in this match, but he gets that fire and passion from where he starts, like, mouthing off, like, come on, baby! Yeah. Even though he's getting his ass kicked. And he gets a choke slam as he's, like, kind of going, come on! Best choke slam ever, may I say, by the way. Fucking beautiful high yeah. on that. Because Kane, like, puts his other hand, like, behind his back. That's how much Jericho gets up with the height. Yeah. Both men come off so well here. And also, Kane does a flying clothesline from the top rope, and when he does it, we get our third grunt of the night. Jesus! Oh, baby, a triple! <laughs> Kane jumps from the top rope and makes a big DAAA noise as he comes down. <laughs> you think this is about grunts? The Jericho comes up off the chokeslam after a nine count. Y2J starts to rally, though, gets a chair, smacks Kane right in the face in it, but Kane gets straight back up. He then does a line salt onto a chair, which is from the Rob Van Damme school of I'm going to hurt myself more than you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That really like kills the psych... I not say it kills the psychology of a match, but it makes him seem fucking stupid. Yeah, it's just yeah. a dumb thing to do. Because it will hurt him more, because yeah. he's lighter than Kane. Blatantly. You know? yeah. Press slam to the outside. 
When you get to see Kane do big giant man spots like this, it's great, isn't it? Don't. It's been probably the first time. Well, since he's worked with X Park, I think it was kind of reminiscent yeah. a little yeah. bit of, of that. Is it cool that like because you know Jericho worked with X Park quite a bit, and now I would say now that X Park has seemingly disappeared into obscurity, Jericho is very much now that the new rel- standard, the reliable yeah. hand. Yeah. You know, he do- he does this WWF style better than anyone here it would mm. seem. You know. They battle over to Car City and wrestle through a Warhammer 40k set. <laughs> Jericho hits them with some Necrons. Uh, awful fucking table bump when they go over. Horrible. Yuck. Yeah, real bad. <laughs> barrels. So many barrels. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country, mate. <laughs> and it's the metal barrels as well. So, you know, Kane is like, you know, he just throws these barrels over and Kane's like, Argh! you know, it's uh, <laughs> he's not going to break. They look like, they look like they're, they're barrels of poison as well. So they have like, <laughs> hazard, no, they have, like hazardous material <laughs> signs on it. Radioactive waste yeah. or something. Kind of like. expect like a Resident Evil 2, Kane comes up all like, <laughs> <laughs> giant high, got him, and Jericho's like, oh, baby. <laughs> this was an ending I remember watching this with my cousin at the time and him talking about this for like you literally months afterwards where Jericho is like on top of the barrels that are all stuck together and like up to the nine count you just see Kane's hand coming out going yeah. Yeah. and one woman in the crowd just goes <laughs> and just because that one person screamed it made it so over chilling like, it yeah. made it like really sold it for what it was and Jericho yeah. goes Aah! and it kicks it down like yeah. you know and the ref doesn't see it Jericho beats Kane in a fucking war, but man, I absolutely love this one. Fantastic, Raj. Yeah, it's good. Can I just ask, what is the deal? What's the deal? Um, with with Kane literally being buried and stuff. Yeah. That yeah. happens so much. That even happens still nowadays. Like if, if Kane's gonna lose a match, chances are he's buried underneath something. I think because Kane so rarely gets figuratively buried that he must be literally buried to kind of <laughs> compensate it. Him and Daniel Bryan are kind of yin and yang in that sense. Yeah. They balance each other out in the grand scheme of things in WWE karma, you know? I love this match. What do you think of the end of the feud that looking back at him? Brilliant. This was a big one for you as a kid, looking yeah. back with nostalgia. This, um, or... As a child was my favourite Kane feud and it's been awesome like going over it again and you know, it was nice just to have Last Man Standing actually live up to my expectations, and it wasn't nostalgia that was making it seem so good. That really was a fucking awesome match. Backstage, Deborah, who's the Lieutenant Commissioner, yeah. <laughs> who's with Mick Foley, who's interviewed by the coach. Seriously, everyone's getting a fucking workout tonight. Yeah. Lillian Garcia, coach. Kevin Kelly, broadcast colleagues, assemble! <laughs> <laughs> Michael Coldus comes putting together a team with special privileges <laughs> <laughs> they're all given a suitcase with a Halliburton with a microphone inside like, and after after you ask the question look look confused when they walk away for a little second going, you know? <laughs> that's a modern day trait in you I know. guess that's true yeah that's true HB Shizzle at WWF New Yizzle oh. hey Sean it's Sean Michaels it's JR can you hear me I can hear you a little bit, JR. You're looking great, and I know that you were the very first Hell in a Cell matchup. Can you tell us, you got any advice to these six guys here tonight? Well, I'll tell you, I wish I could, but I was the WWF guinea pig in this match, and to start it out is one thing. But as the Hell in the Cells have gone on, no man can predict how it's going to go, and especially with six men, it's very tough. One-on-one, you can get a rhythm. Six guys in there, I got no idea what's going to happen. When you think back about the Hell in a Cell 1, what goes through your mind with your experiences with The Undertaker? 
I gotta tell you, the first thing was, was fear. The fact of the matter is, this is a match, whether anybody wants to agree or disagree, tailor-made for The Undertaker. I saw what he said earlier, and it's true. In that match, he's a different man. So you gotta watch him, boys and girls. Sean, thank you very much. Wish you were here. Take care of yourself. I will, Jared. Thank you so much. Hope to all see you all soon. And I like that hat. He looks so fucking tired. Yeah. He always gets to say he looks drunk. Every five seconds, he's looks, he looks like he's holding in a burp. Yeah. It's really sad. He goes, whether you agree or disagree. He, like he's slurring his words yeah it's really bad and it's really sad in the end Jim Ross goes well thanks very much for talking with us Sean and hope you get well soon and it's like really kind of like oh. like I can tell you're not okay yeah, yeah. and it's so sad because I mean at the time there was I think there was rumblings that they wanted Michaels to appear around like WrestleMania 17 in a guest ref capacity or something like mm. that and there was a period like shortly after this where he showed up literally like absolutely like out of his mind no shape whatsoever and like Undertaker like had to take him away like to a different room because he was just like embarrassed in himself Jesus. and he's kind of had to sit him down and he's like look you, you can't kind of come here like this so like this like is probably one of the darkest periods in Sean's God. life I mean I say this every time I see like a wrestler who's like going through dark shit who's come out the other end of it it's, it's always weird looking back and seeing him out here, but I think the likelihood of Shawn Michaels going back to, to being in this, I don't think that's, you have to worry about that. No, not anymore. Not it not it is nice to see that Michaels, this wasn't his fate. Yeah. No, yeah. Because I was like, I was a kid, he just depressed me. Who's this old wrestler I have to unlock in WrestleMania 2000? <laughs> slurring his words. Who's this old man in a cowboy hat? You know? it, it almost begs the question as to like, are WWF like so blind as to how he comes off? Why do they keep putting him in these positions where like he's on TV and it's blatantly obvious? It's so that bad it... as well because I mean, what really like it all it, it really like made me emotional if I'm honest when they talked about the first Hell in the Cell, mm. and that's only three years prior yeah. to this. Three years ago, that's like around the, like the time this podcast has been going. Yeah, like you know, if you can imagine, that's how short a space of time it was, and he went from being like top of the card, top of the world, most recognisable guy, to like being slurring his words in WWF New York. And when they're talking about the match, you can just tell it's like, that's not fun to talk about. No. Really. Not a nice moment for HP Shizzle. A King of the Ring 1998 flashback. Don't know why I mentioned that. Coming up next for the Tag Team Championships, Age and Christian versus The Right to Censor versus The Dudley Boys versus The Road Dog and K-Quick Get Rowdy. Stevie limps out with uh, right to censor. This was after the... We got so excited because I'm such a Dudley's mark. We talked about like the Dudley's joining right to censor moment like fucking ages yeah. ago. Because <laughs> they've been feuding with RTC for so long. So I jumped the gun, obviously. That had happened on the SmackDown prior to this. Mm. Hence Stevie with a massive limp in this match. And Jesus, Road Dog is awful here. His haircut. It looks like he's got a load of chips stuck on top of his head. <laughs> That's stupid. I have worked out who Road Dog is. Please. Um, it's it's something I've now that I've kind of made the connection. It's it totally goes back for the whole time of the, of the of the podcast. But purely because I've been playing GTA Five again recently, yep. Road Dog is Wade. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah, pretty much and I it. And I, I was just watching this, and I, was, I, I just couldn't pay. Att- well, I, there's two reasons I couldn't pay attention to this match. 
Uh, one being that I only like uh, two of the eight wrestlers in this match. So you still hate the right to censor? Yeah. Really? I just don't find them entertaining. Not 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 in like a oh I don't like them because they're heels. I just don't like them. Wow. It's, it's who do you like? Sorry, in this match, Dudley's. What about Edging Christian? Um, I'm getting very annoyed with the the character. Oh okay. We'll get so, into that later. Sorry. Paul, later, what was the other thing? Um, and the fact it was just shit. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> because it's they've, they've not learned from the free past times. This doesn't work. Was in the multitude of the four-way four tags, you mean? Yeah. yeah, make it a tag team turmoil already. That works. That's work, and then everyone this gets a, a pop and whatnot. It doesn't. It's too many people on screen. Yeah, having to tag in an opponent is just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, when, every time someone tags in someone from another team, it exposes the business. I'd rather it was even like a fatal four-way in the ring, and like two guys go off and do whatever outside or what have you, and just like at least then that would make a bit more sense. You know what I would have liked and appreciated if Road Dog could remember the fucking words the rap he's been. Singing oh, for two months now, yeah. like he comes out and he's doing his little his little low down, you know, because he he squats and he walks kind of crouchy. Oh, you didn't know you better call somebody. Yeah. And then he gets into the ring and kind of goes, and then we go to, and or truth does his bit. And he's like, and it's just silence. He just walk, and he he keeps walking around a little circle, like doing his little hip hop dance, but he doesn't know the words now. It's Do, awful. Um, me and Billy were chatting about this earlier. Does Road Dog leave the company soon? He is gone officially in 2001, around January time, just before the Rumble, officially gone. This is his last pay-per-view appearance. I think he appeared on Raw and maybe one SmackDown after this. What but was that's his, it. What was his reason for leaving? Because, like, is, was he having any issues or, like, yeah. personal demons or anything? It was personal demons. Yeah, like, it, it shows in this match. Because, I, I mean, we always had a go at, like... I mean, we'll say this now. We've had a go at fucking Road Dog, Godfather, X-Pac. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're making obvious references to, to smoking weeds in mm. your promos, you, you invite that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they were high-functioning uh, potheads. Yeah. Uh, in the 1999-98, it's not as if it was kind of like Road Dog was just, like, fucked in this match or X-Pac, like... You know, he didn't know where he was, or he, he fucked up, or he yeah. forgot to finish. Just a little stone. Or... Here, though, yeah, Road Dog is like disoriented, slow. Mm. He looks, he looks unwell. He's pale. He's got like a big, massive red football jersey tucked into some black tights. He looks terrible. It's so I feel so bad as well for K Quick or yeah. Trey Pair. Yeah. Imagine that kind of like you're signed to the company and then there's the fucking racist bullshit and your tag partner is like literally fucking can't even remember the words to your song. Head of the dinosaur. Like. Mate, you know what you should do when you're driving to the next town? Put it on the fucking radio and listen, <laughs> listen to it yeah. and learn the words. He knew it last time though. <laughs> Obviously it wasn't sticking, you know. Yeah. It's a, Personal demon. It comes out with a piece of paper. Well, you didn't know you better call somebody. <laughs> and to think, this is Road Dog. He was so like... I, we, we've ripped apart the outlaws and Road Dog um, in retrospect, but still, you can never deny that he had like the verbiage. You know? Oh, yeah, would, definitely. You know, he would say some stupid shit, but he said it with confidence and definitely. poise. Here, he doesn't know what he's saying. He's mm. no confidence. No, it doesn't come off like he's into his his gimmick here at all. Fast fun action to start things off, though. We get a double shake, rattle, and roll as Road Dog and Bubba Ray both do uh, shake, rattle, and roll. Road Dog just looks legitimately pissed off. <laughs> and I remember thinking he was such a bad sport because like, you came out rapping and dancing and someone dances beside you and you've got a big puss on your face. Only I can do it. No, <laughs> remain perfectly still. Only I may jive. <laughs> K-Quick is incredibly jingly in this as well. Yeah. With jingly, yeah. jingly jeans. 
Fucking hell. It builds up though, uh, just, you know, messing around. Everyone gets a bit of a tag, not much going on. Bubba Ray gets a hot tag though. Good God. I this and Mac, the last few episodes, I've gushed over Bubba Ray's hot tags. It's all you do now. <laughs> all I do now. And I'm saying it now, number one hot tag artist in wrestling ever. And prove me wrong. <laughs> prove me wrong. Like, I hope Bubba Ray would, would back me up on that because here he just clears house, screams, come on, bitch. <laughs> and screams that when he's doing like a backdrop. Fucking love it. I adore him and his hot tags. The best hot tags in the known universe. <laughs> All eight men come in, massive confusion reigns. K-Quick dives to the outside, but he gets caught, and uh, Road Dog gets Stevie kicked for his troubles. Ooh. That's showing you you're kind of a bit low down in the estimation if you're getting... Stevie actually hits him. Stevie, like, taken out actually by hits Stevie. it. His shoe doesn't come off, or he doesn't, like, slip on a banana peel <laughs> this time, like, or, or accidentally kick all the other members of Right to Censor in one, <laughs> in one fell swoop. Poor Road Dog. Was up and 3Ds all round, the Dudley boys dominating in this one. Christian gets the unprettier. Christian is the illegal man. He runs in, he hits the unprettier, and Edge just manages to scrape over and get the win. Um, a bit of a clusterfuck, really anticlimactic end. This was just there, I think, to move it from heels to heels, from RTC, yeah. who had the belts for a few yeah. months, back to Edge and Christian, without having to have those guys feud. And how does JR put over the fact that the heels have won? He just goes, this reeks of a... Uh Sucking. For fuck's sake. <laughs> so, you were saying that you like, you've tired a little bit of Edge and Christian's character. Is that to do with the fact that they win like via shitty antics, or...? No, I've just kind of got a bit bored of the backstage segments, because it just seems to be... I don't know, it was, funny, I, I... it was funny the first couple of times. Right. But now it's just... I, I still enjoy both of them as wrestlers. Mm. I think that they're both amazing wrestlers, but I just think... The characters, I'm just not, I'm just not buying it anymore. Oh, I will say about Agent Christian that, like, I was always very nostalgic articles with these lads going like best, most hilarious ever. The one caveat I will say going back and watching this is that a lot more of it was your local sports team reference. Mm. It was a lot more of it than I recalled, and that kind of, I, it's soured my memories a little bit of them. But I, still, I think the just interplay with Mick, the backstage stuff. I know it seems like every month that they're in some other jam, but I guess that's just their characters. It's just what they total do, yeah. chicken shits, you I, know? I think I'd like them more if they were faces. Because mm. just... they are, it's quite, it does feel weird to be laughing with a heel, kind of, yeah. almost. Just while we're on the subject real quick, did Edge and Christian ever have a face run? Uh, yes, very briefly at the after Edge won King of the Ring. Right. Around then they were before kind they of, break up. Before they break up at the start of the invasion, Edge and Christian were good guys. And very brief. Then. Very brief. Yeah. yeah. And there were faces obviously before they had the Valley Girl game. Different Edge and Christian. But though. they're not even the same team, really. What do you think of this match, guys? I thought again. I thought it was just a bit clunky and anticlimactic. It was what it was. It was nothing special. It Cluster, was what it absolute was. Absolute fuck. Absolute clusterfuck, it was what it was. No, you've not downloaded Steve Austin's <laughs> podcasts. Backstage, in a rare moment of candor, Stephanie pleads with Triple H. You know, she's like, mate, you were dropped from that truck. You know, you, you can't be out here in this hell in the cell. And Triple H has this really passionate promo. He's like, do you understand I've not been champion for this long? Mm. Do you know, like, do you know how ridiculous this is? And like, you know, like, if I don't have the title, I'm nothing. And like, and... It's kind of like a desperation moment for Triple H. It was really cool. It's nice to see, even after the shitty turn with Austin, that there's still some meat in the bones of this character. Mm. Uh, it's not something you get as well. A heel doing like a really heartfelt promo. 
Rarely. You'll get it. You'll get it from the faces all the time. Mm. But like, I can't remember the last time I saw a heel, you know, genuinely say, "I am doing this because of this." Yeah, exactly. And like, you never get it more. Like nowadays, it's I'm I am a baddie because I am a baddie. Yeah, and that's as much as it is as, and that really gives more depth to the character. I mean, you see, like a likes of Kevin Owens now, whose rationale for wanting to win a belt is because he gets more money. Mm. I like that. Yeah, you know that's realism, and you know heels obviously want. Heels shouldn't want to be champion despite the faces. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They should yeah, they should want it themselves. It should be like that competitive aspect to it always, I think. Coming up next, Intercontinental Championship on the line as the former huh? champion Chris Benoit takes on the one Brilly Gun who is the Intercontinental Champion. How did that happen? Basically, it's more or less the same kind of way as like Rikishi won it, as in kind of like, what? I won the Intercontinental Belt. See you in two weeks. I'll give it back. <laughs> you know, um, he just won it kind of. He, he won it from Benoit. I guess the idea was to give the one Billy Gunn character a bit of credibility. To give him a bit of credibility because after he's come back, he's had some matches, but he's not really being viewed as kind of like a threat or anything like that. So yeah. give him the belt, it shows that he's a player at a certain level, I guess. Mm. But you can see how quickly that credibility went out the window, though, considering he is a face, yep. JR is the face commentator, yep. and JR says it is a sign of disrespect that Gunn is wearing two earrings. I've seen people wear earrings before, but a champion wearing... Two earrings. You serious? He, he like JR's act, like, JR's acting like Billy Gunn is just pissed on his kids. He, he, <laughs> is, he is so upset by us. Really takes it. He fucking hate. He said on this blog multiple times. He doesn't like when wrestlers wear jewelry because he right. thinks it's dangerous. Because yeah. like if you get slammed, it'll come out of your ear. But the fact that he is not one but two, the gall of this man, Jim Ross. Fucking hates Billy's earrings. Old dad Jim Ross. Where the hell do you think you're going, young lady? That amount of makeup exposes the business. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, what do you? If it's it's his ear, mate. Like it's not a fucking. I mean, if he if he hurts his ear, it's on him. Yeah, yeah. I think it's stupid wearing earrings, but get over it. Why do you care so much? Like it's the first. Thing he says, it's like ding, ding, ding. The bell has sounded, and he's wearing two earrings now, and I'm pissed off. <laughs> like it's no different than uh, complaining about a wrestler having long hair. Yeah, really. Yeah. And he Sorry. doesn't do that. Yeah, it's like it's like when like Lita came in, he's like kind of had an issue with the tattoo. I guess Jr. is like quite traditional. I think. In yeah, one an issue thing. with the tattoo. Yeah, an issue with the tattoo. He thought like that it would it, she wouldn't be able to get over because wow. she had a tattoo. You know, and that that's kind of. I love JR, but it's stuff like this that makes me kind of go, oh, fucking... Traditionalist. Light, un, lighten up, like. Yeah. <laughs> I was really expecting him to say, I mean, look at him, he's got it on the gay side. Like, I was really <laughs> oh. expecting that from him at this yeah. moment. Yeah. He was getting so outraged by nothing. And, like, you wouldn't mind, it's kind of like, there's enough of a story here. If Fluke win, Benoit loses the belt, there's enough to sink your teeth into here. And it, it's kind of sad that, like, spoiler, Billy's not holding on to the belt for a long time here, no. folks. The one, this is his only defence, and Jim Ross just talks about his fucking earrings. <laughs> Buries him so hard. Chris Benoit beats on Billy Gunn outside the ring. He hits a very fucking sick leg lace at one point, which is a delicious grunt. The crowd is absolutely dead at this point. Uh, maybe it's because he's wearing two earrings and they just don't buy into him as a face, but they're not they're not rallying behind the no. one, unfortunately. The one Billy Gunn has one fan, it would seem. <laughs> you know. Um 
the finger four leg lock gets locked in because we're down south big woos Ric Flair obviously yeah. still quite over in the south Billy attempts a comeback but gets German suplex for his troubles Air Canada misses and then we get another shy second race just like Billy just builds up to these comebacks that no one gives a fuck about yeah and that means this match kind of drags as it's, a result I think it's because he's not there to save the road dog like it's almost like Billy Gunn can get the fire going when he's got to save somebody Hot and someone's and counting on him yeah he needs that other person, I think, to really finish off the package. Can I just say, I'd love that as a gimmick. <laughs> the one-man tag. Yeah, someone who hot tags slaps up, causes, like, slaps himself, goes crazy. I'm a one-man tag. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Gunn gets beaten into the crossface. I absolutely love this. He's like trying to get out of it, and Benoit's just like... Nyeh, nyeh, yeah. nyeh. It, amazing. Benoit looks like a stud in this match. I would say at the expense... Of Mr. Billy Gunn, like Billy makes him look awesome, yeah, and he looks like a bit of a chump in the the, the process. He gets a rope break and gets out of the crossface. He was a really fucked up tilt a whirl slam. It's to these two, you didn't expect that from. The match has got no steam, and Benoit just locks the crossface in again. Chris Ben wins. Please don't give the Intercontinental belt to Billy Gunn ever again. No, that's not. That was really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. I just can't. What is it about Billy Gunn? He's he has got it all. Like he, you know, he's. I mean, apart from the I mean, it's enough to make a blind man see (laughs) everything you wish you had. God gave it all to him. But seriously, apart from the mic skills, he is like the prototypical wrestler. He can go and And I still think that when he's in, when he is a hundred percent sure of what he's saying, he can do it. Mm. Because when he does some of the DX problems, he's like, "Ah," you know, he really just has the passion or whatever. He can, he can do it. It's not impossible. But, but, oh, man. I mean, Benoit could drag an incredible match out of the sort of, like, fusty style of The Undertaker and make something really fresh and new, but still can't make anything work with Billy Gunn. Like, there's yeah. got to be something seriously wrong, fundamentally. It's earrings. With... <laughs> it's earrings. Jim, Jim Ross is there, like, with Jim the Ross machine, might have been man. right. <laughs> I've Jim... changed my mind on this in a period of two minutes. <laughs> earrings are holding him back. Well, I mean, I don't want to get maybe too into it, because obviously your road dog's left now at this point. And if you look at Road Dog, who probably didn't give as much of a shit as Billy seemingly does, because Billy, like... You can you know, tell he cares. You can tell he cares as someone who trains, works out, is on top of it, you know, and clearly has aspirations. Road Dog always had the kind of, fuck it, I'm here for so, from fun. You know? I know where I am. In I know cars. where I am. And if you look yeah. where they are right now, Road Dog leaves, but the next year for Billy Gunn is not pretty. At all. And considering he's a former King of the Ring winner, the fact the more he stays out here in this company, the more he devalues himself. Mm. And it's just a very, very stark downward stride for Billy Gunn from this point on. It's really, really sad to see because I think he's so talented. We just don't get his, his moment. I guess if you can't make King of the Ring work for you, you're not going to make the one Billy Gunn work yeah. for you either. Jim Ross and Steve Austin in a rumpus room. Steve is amped and slightly confused about tonight's match. Kind of stumbling over his words a little bit. He's not shaved, so you can tell that he's serious about this one. <laughs> Are you looking forward to the Hell in a Cell match? It'll be uh, total brutality. Good enough for me. <laughs> JR seems so wooden in this as well. This is weird. JR seems really phoned in tonight. Mm, yeah. To me, like just in this promo, like he just doesn't get like we know like in kayfabe and in real life, he's good friends with Austin. I felt so I, yeah. I, I kind of wanted like a bit of a more heartfelt thing from Jr. And he's just going. So what do you think is going to happen today? 
I like that is an interesting thought. You know Austin. what? You, you never actually really see the friendship of Austin and JR. You always hear about it, like yeah. you know, he stayed with them in the hospital bed and stuff like that. Oh, mate, no. Late 99 when Triple H was beating on uh, on Jim Ross and breaking his arm. That's when Austin was able to save him but all the time. You never see him like, hanging out as buddies and actually interacting properly as friends. No, you just kind of... evidence of that. I think, yeah, this was here. It was kind of like, well, you know these two are friends. Let's put them in a rumpus room and magic. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It is basically awkward. Coming up next... Triple threat match for the women's championship as Ivory, the champion, defends against Molly Holly and Trish Stratus. Ivory has got new wrestle trousers. Mm, finally. Finally. She can move. She can move around. They're, they're ridiculous pants. They're real, like, cool mom uh, in her 50s <laughs> pants. Like, you know, oh, I, I, I've had cocktails. I can make those. Yeah. <laughs> cool monkey flip spot by Trish to start things off. It is obvious at this point, as it was at the last pay-per-view, that Trish Stratus has been doing some training. Yeah, definitely. Because she can actually do moves that aren't a bulldog headlock. Yeah. And that's pretty cool to see that she's kind of fast-tracking herself almost. Because within a year, she's good. Mm. You know, competent. Decent action between the three of these. Molly and Ivory really carrying Trish through this one. Trish ends up looking like quite decent as a result. Molly gets a power bomb, and then Ivory just... Pins her and wins. And Jim Ross goes, a short, abrupt ending. That couldn't have been the finish. No. Absolutely not. So quick. It was like three minutes. Way too short. Even for a Divas match, like really fucking tiny duration on that. Yeah. Uh, the highlight of this was the really phoned in coffee innuendo, which Jerry Lawler made about Trish at the start, which was Trish said that she wanted to go to Starbucks and then I said, why don't I come back to my hotel room and I'll grind your coffee. No. You know when you're having what sex. What does that even mean? You know, you know when you're having sex and you're grinding coffee. Hey, let's have sex. <laughs> yeah, that's sexy, isn't it? That's what sex is. Jesus, Jerry. Something I noticed as well, just just by looking over my notes over the past few, uh, past few months and pay-per-views, since Right to Censor debuted... They have won at least one match every pay-per-view. And wow. the, what I always point out the right to censor, though, was that they always had yeah, they have a win every pay-per-view, but always as well, there would be at least one point where they get their comeuppance. Stevie has been through so many tables. Yeah. yeah. You know, they would win and then, like... And I think it was good them having Ivory and the fact that they had, like, multiple members was that they were able to do that. They were able to get their comeuppance but still get uh, a win. And they managed to... They were quite fucking dominant at that point, yeah. you know? Obviously, before they lose it, you know, with women's champion Ivory tag belts with, with Buchanan and the, and the good father. Yeah, that couldn't have been the ending of that match. Um, it was a bit disappointing because it was pretty good what we saw, but it was like three minutes, maybe. Yeah. TNA and Crash face off and they laugh at him. But who comes back all the way from their injury? They've returned. The APA. And they look so serious. Oh, yeah. They come out like kind of... You were wearing this those TNA TNAPA shirts are fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they run off TNA, who run away and uh, all cowering and whatnot. The next night they would beat them in a match and like nick the shirts from them, and that was the end hey, of the TNAPA. Yeah, cool. What became of Trish's candy bowl? We never know. Did any of you guys expect watching Molly Holly versus Trish Stratus versus Ivory? The people standing tall at the end of the match would be the AP. <laughs> <laughs> Who saw that coming? Seriously, man, it's weird. Backstage, The Rock is with Calvin Kleine. That's Kevin Kelly. 
Oh, come on. That's, I will say that now, that is the worst one you've ever done. Come on. Come on. You've not even used Kel in a cell yet, for fuck's sake. Kel? Kel? Kelvin Klein? Yeah, come on. I was going to say the book of Kevin Kells, you know, because that is a a famous Irish singer. You wouldn't know about that, would you? No, you wouldn't know. (laughs) It's more awesome stuff from The Rock here, folks. Finally, The Rock has come back to Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama. Tonight's the night. A hell in a cell. Careers on the line. WWF title on the line. And make no mistake about it. If The Rock has got to go out there tonight and face five pissed off guys, he'll do it. If The Rock has got to go out there tonight and put his career on the line, he'll do it. If The Rock has got to go out there tonight and bleed from every single pore in his body to become six-time WWF champion, he'll do it. Now, as far as for tonight, The Rock doesn't know whose careers will end. The Rock doesn't know who'll be made famous. But The Rock does know that not one, not two, but three things will happen. Is that The Rock is going to sweat. The Rock is going to bleed. And just as sure as The Rock has earned the right and paid the price to stand before you tonight to say The Rock will whip all their candy asses. Tonight, The Rock is going to walk straight into hell and walk out WWF Champion. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Not as awesome as the one from the... The Raw? The Raw before? The promo. Do you want to talk about the promo? I think we should talk about the promo. I'm sure you've probably seen it by now, Billy. It's one of The Rock's most famous, if not his most famous promo. It's the one where he runs down all six people in it and just basically takes the piss out of each of them. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, oh, I'm going to go home and drink a big glass of milk. Take three Viagra and eat a cookie. Like, uh, to make fun of Kurt Angle. What was it he said about The Undertaker? The Undertaker, he just rolled his eyes and went, oh, <laughs> it was, it, Honestly, of all the barbs, it was the lightest. <laughs> the best one was the Steve Austin one, though. Was, uh, he puts on the hat and like, I'm going to go drink some Steve Weiser, get in my pickup truck, listen to some Backstreet Boys. <laughs> the Rikishi one. Oh, yeah. I did it for the rock. I did it for the people. I did- oh, shut up, you thong-wearing fatty. <laughs> uh, great, yeah, the rock. I love that here. And another one I just want to mention about the rock here. Um, I said great problem here, great problem there. The rock was involved in a match with the Dudley boys on Raw before this. Which was the Dudley Boys and The Rock against Angle Edge and Christian in what The Rock referred to as a tag team table testicle match. (laughs) (laughs) And he called it this even though none of his opponents allegedly had any testicles. (laughs) And like later in the night the graphic was TTTT match. Fucking hell. Ah, it's a tag team table testicle match. The fuck is going (laughs) on? What gives? Because, you know, tag team table, oh, testicle. You know, Slip that's just, it in there. That's where it goes, the mind from there, I guess, you know. Right, well, this led to this then, this point. It feels like we're starting, like, quite early in, but when you realise all the padding there's been... So much padding. And, uh, you know, most of the upper card is in this one match, it's time for our main event. 
The Road to Hell, as Armageddon Hell in a Cell happens. Six competitors, Kurt Angle, Rikishi, Triple H, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Undertaker for the WWF Championship. Let's face it, this year we have seen a multi-layers hit-and-run automobile accident. We have seen a man dropped 40 feet in an automobile off of a forklift. We've even seen our WWF champion, Kurt Angle, chokeslammed off of a stage. But make no doubt about it, it will come to an end in Armageddon because six men will fight for the WWF Championship. The road to hell. We just can see the highlights of all the zaniness leading up mm. to this point. Uh, Austin's attack, his revenge, obviously, you know, uh, on Triple H and being run over originally as well. Kurt, the night after Survivor Series, where he's talking about the Montreal screw job going off without a hitch, except this time the good guy won. <laughs> Him and his brother Eric Angle were in the ring and Taker chokeslammed Eric and then chokeslammed Kurt off the stage. Jesus. So it was kind of, that was the end of Eric Angle. Yeah, anyway, yeah. you know, back to the, the zoo <laughs> yeah, with, with him. Like. Hell in the Cell, all six are in this so there can be no interference. We get the usual Hell in the Cell hype for this, you know. It is custom built for injury. Perverse, vile, diabolical <laughs> structure. This is a war. Jim Ross 
has a really great line when the cage is lowering down at the start of this and he goes, I can't believe it. Has it really come to this? That's great. That's great. Yeah, like, that's really good. As a kid, this was like, well, I couldn't conceive there being any more wrestling after this. Well, yeah, at this point in time, the Hell in a Cell still felt like the final chapter. The last time we like, saw this was Foley and Triple H. Where a man's career was ended. You know, so it still has this reverence about it. Mm. But six of the top guys in this Hell in a Cell, I thought this was like the last level of wrestling. <laughs> the finale. Yeah. The finale, or like the secret level after you've beaten wrestling. It's like, oh no, motherfucker. If you want Luigi, you're going to have to work for it, you know? <laughs> what did you think about like hearing about this going, were you hyped when you heard that, oh shit, we've got a six-man Hell in a Cell? I, w- I was. But at the same time, it kind of seems like they don't have any faith in Angle. Yeah, the thing that he couldn't carry like a main event yeah. program on his own. Yeah. I mean, and he, uh, in, I can't even remember. He didn't. He didn't main event last. No, Survivor period. Series of Austin Triple H. Yeah, but I, I think he could. Yeah, I think Angle could have had like I don't know which of the five guys you would have put him with, mm. but mm. I think he could have had a really great main event singles match. He, he does go on to have a few more. I mean, you know, there is there is some more from from Angle in terms of his main events. But yeah, no, definitely, he did suffer, like, so many, you know, if you're not the top guy when you're given the belt, this happens, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You've seen it with CM Punk, you've seen it with, like, even when Foley you know, won the belt, mm-hmm. this, this, this kind of happens, you know, you end up playing second fiddle. It was, I mean, The Rock was even playing second fiddle when he was the champion for a little bit in 99, because it was Austin and Vince, that yeah. was the storyline. Yeah, it is a bit of a shame. Hell in a Cell, though, with all these guys, is that, were you, like, what, were you expecting madness, or... Uh, um, to be fair, like you're so used to seeing like the elimination chambers made you used to seeing six guess, guys in the yeah, cage it's not at the same time. Spectacle, Back in the day, this I, was a I, big can, deal, I can see but... why this would be a spectacle, but at the same time, I don't want to see all six guys wrestle at once. Yeah, um, I would have sooner had these guys in singles matches throughout the pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they, if you're gonna have a hell in a cell, make it a singles match only. Yeah, but I just don't think six people like this could have this match would not have changed. At all, if Rikishi wasn't in this match, that's true. That's yeah. very this true. match wouldn't have changed at all if Kurt Angle wasn't in this match. Yeah, that's true. This match was about four people, really. not not even four people, three people. It was about yeah. Austin, Ten- it was about Taker, and a little bit about Triple H as well, really. And that's it. Yeah, that's, that's true. what this match was, and it just seemed like. Again, I've said I said this phrase before. Uh, before referring to like phoned in. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's just how it seemed a bit to me. They're putting them like kind of all in there as a kind of like a placeholder. I think it's quite telling that we never had another six man hell. Yeah, so very. This is the first and last, and yet it persists as an option on SmackDown. But um, you it's know, always called the Armageddon. The Armageddon hell in the cell. Like Kurt Angle comes out looking terrified. Yeah. I love that. I, yeah, I, I did love that. You know, I was fucking. I loved that as a kid, just seeing how scared he was. He doesn't mm. even react to his pyro. He's just like walking this long, lonely walk to the cell. Oh no! Not only did Undertaker debut his new catchphrase here of making people famous, also got a new song. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to Limp Biscuit King? <laughs> he ain't got no Limp Biscuit, boy. I tell you what. <laughs> Come on, Jr. What are you trying to say? He can get aroused when he wants to. The Undertaker comes out to rollin', 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 of course. And Jim Ross is like, and the Undertaker probably has a boner here tonight, folks. (laughs) 
I thought now a biscuit from previously, a biscuit was a boob. In Rebellion, we learned that biscuits are boobs, yeah. yeah. So I've no idea what's going Singular on. Singular biscuit is a dick. It's a penis. Yeah. You can't just call every sexual organ a biscuit. Jim, <laughs> <laughs> like, Jim, I bought you a box of biscuits for for Christmas. Don't read into it. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. IMB biscuit is right here. People in the house, put your hands in the air. We don't care. No, we don't care. One, two, three, time pulls in the mix. Jumping with you all with the new biscuit mix. So where the fuck you at, punk? Shut the fuck up. Back the fuck up or we fuck this track up. Wait, the fuck you doing? Me and Adam, definitely children of Limp Biscuits. Absolutely. I bought the album after Undertaker Chain. Chocolate, chocolate Starfish. I had hot dog flavoured waters. I don't care what you care about me or my jicky generation, okay? <laughs> you don't understand me and I will not clean my room. How is Roland? I, I think Roland, comparing it to American Badass from Kid Rock, do you think Roland has aged well, appropriate for the ta- for Undertaker? Um, I've never liked the song anyway. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never been a Do you know the dance? Uh, yes. Yeah? Good. Can you do uh, it? Uh, probably not right now. No, okay. I believe there's been f- many a night in Sugar Cubes in Lincoln where we've been dancing to that song together, Billy. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Roll, 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 I, was, um, I was always more of a, uh, uh, a Lincoln Park kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, it, was, it was kind of like... It, well, where, where more internalised angst. It was... It was, it was <laughs> you were either or. <laughs> like, yeah, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't really get across, you didn't get people who go sure. like Biscuit and Linkin Park. I hated Linkin Park, you're right. Like. Like, so. Beatles and Rolling Stones, Blur and Oasis, Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park, mate. Right? To quote Jim Ross, has it really come to this? <laughs> <laughs> Madness to start this one. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Not only are there six people, which makes it hard, there's a fucking hell in the cell in the way mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. These poor people in Alabama, they saw fuck all on this. Yeah. Like, you couldn't see there, and they're just watching the Tron the well, whole night. Neither did we, though. You got like, little shots inside, I guess. Like, the, the, the only way you could have seen anything in this match is if we had literally six camera angles on the screen at once. Yeah. Like, it was mm-hmm. a block of CCTV footage. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so much stuff happening. Like, so, oh, I wonder what Austin's up to. Fuck off, you're not going to find out for a bit. We're over yeah. here. It's hard to, because like, I had a difficult time keeping up. People just appeared and they were bloody and I didn't yeah. know why. Yeah. It and madness. This kind of struck me like they were trying to do a throwback to the old timey NWA, the war games, where they just carried the fuck out of each other and it was in a cage and that was good enough. Mm. They just... There's no logic to it in the fact that like Austin will be in the ring with Triple H and he'll do a sequence and then they'll leave and then Rikishi and The Rock come in. They show it's like mm. they're taking turns to show off. It's like ten minutes where no one's in the ring and they're yeah. all just on the outside like rubbing each other against the cage and it's oh you get so desensitized to it so quickly. There are too many people in this cell. Definitely. Austin grates Triple H's face like cabbage against this cell and he does a lap around it. That was yeah. so funny. <laughs> I-, I love a good Hell in a Cell grating. You yeah. don't get it anymore. But it's gonna help Triple H wouldn't have a nose at the end of the world in a way like you know Triple H is one of the first people to get bloody and he immediately betrays and pedigrees Rikishi all the men brawl in the ring it just gets insane at this point finisher finishers finisher. like we're five or six minutes in the finishers start coming fast and loose stunner to angle choke Sam to Steve and the crowd I think this is something that Foley mentioned before if you're in a hell in a cell during this period they're not going to take anything you do seriously until you go outside. Because yeah. they're, they're waiting for that to happen. You may as well start off outside. It's a dangerous precedent. Yeah. 
because they're hitting finishers here. Like everyone's hitting their their big move on someone big, and the crowd aren't really reacting like you think they would. You know, I mean, Triple H and Austin hitting fucking finishers simultaneously, and the crowd are kind of like, yeah, come on, get out of the cell, yeah, mate. Like, it's you too know. early. Oh no! Who comes out as Triple H is being battered by the Undertaker on his van? It's Vince McMahon. Man. Yeah, he's coming out in a hay van. What? This instantly kind of ruined the ending of the match for me. Did you? Did yeah. you? Did you? Because I, I obviously we know we've seen this before as kids. When that came out, did you figure out what was happening? Absolutely. Yeah. And it was just, and I think it was so blatant. Like, it's like a Vicky Guerrero coming out with a giant cake. We can kind of see where this is going, folks, yeah. you know? I mean, if they were going to do this, surely have it when the person in question who is going to fall off, have that when they're up there, have it come down then. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't have it sitting there for 15 minutes so when the shocking thing happens, the, the audience have been looking after 15 minutes going, now, I wonder what's going to happen here. Now, you've always wondered, probably at home, going, what could possibly distract you from six of the all-time greats battling out for life or death in Hell in the Cell? The answer is a giant truck full of hay inexplicably taking mm-hmm. up the entire rampway. Is Vince McMahon coming in to spray everyone with hay? Why is there so... The, the logic for it is Why even hay? worse. What's the like, hay? I mean, not, not even just the hay, the idea that he brought a truck out. Where was the cage for most of tonight? It was in the ceiling. Like yeah. they have the ability to raise the cage and lower the cage. Vince comes out and he says, "I don't want a hell in the cell match." So so fucking raise the cage! Like- no, instead, I don't want a hell in the cell match. So I'm opening the door. Yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. He said he had alluded to earlier that he's like, "Right, I've got a plan." You know, don't you worry. This was his plan. And his plan was to get a load of tradesmen to come out. And I love that, like, in the middle of this, like, bloody brawl, some lad in a red shirt is, like, slowly attaching a wince. Yeah. To, like, a fucking weak. hell of a cell. It's kind of weak. He gets the door out, trying to disassemble the cell, but the rest is still inside it. And Vince has gone proper, full-on crazy here. He's just screaming to himself, I'm going to take this cage back to Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon with his oft alluded to big garage just <laughs> imagine him dragging it down the highway yeah he's just, he just like smoking a bong in the giant Survivor Series skull looking at the fucking hell in the cell like I've got it all <laughs> Foley then appears and he clocks the stooges and he gets security to escort Vince out and stop this literally Vince is dragged away yeah. kicking his screen like no no get your hands off me no that was I'm cool su- I'm sure but surely the security guards, Vince would trump Foley. No, because Vince is, um, he's like uh, like executive shareholder or whatever it is, but at the moment he's not the he's not running the company. It's Linda is the CEO and Vince right. is the chairman, so he works with the board, but Linda is the CEO and runs things and Foley runs the show. So actually he Foley does, yeah. does trump Vince. That's why Vince had to kind of lobby instead yeah. of saying there's going to be no match. But yeah, Vince being glad Drake literally kicking and screaming was really funny, I thought. Mm. It was cool to see Foley get physical and knock out the mm. Stooges with like punching in slow motion and then like reacting like ragdoll physics. <laughs> like when you shoot someone in Max Payne 2 and they just fucking fly away. That's Patterson <laughs> here, like. The guys all leave, they spill out of the cell and they start brawling in the Warhammer set. Triple H gets cameraed and everyone's fucking bleeding, it seems. Yeah, come it's, on. You know what this is like? It's like the B-roll for you know the, the intro to Warzone where it's all like they're all wrestling in like yeah, a post-apocalyptic junkyard. There's just all these lads fighting on cars and you kind of go, 
These are the six top guys. I don't think we should be seeing pedigrees on cars. And yeah. It just felt like they were just pushing it to this ridiculous point. They were. And, like, for six guys, I mean, bleeding in wrestling should be, like, you know, after a big moment or a big something to really emphasise the pain. But we've just, like, 15 minutes in, six dudes are all bleeding, and it's just like, well, I'm desensitized to it completely It now. is like if you simmed it on SmackDown or whatever. Yeah, everyone's like, Everyone's bleeding. going crazy, everyone's bleeding all that. Like, Austin goes through a car window... You know, like uh, Triple H obviously with the pedigree on the car. Taker's Wranglers, I believe, give him an edge in this. Gives him a <laughs> grip for him to uh, climb up on. Can I just say as well, at this point in, in, in the match, just going back to what I said earlier, the person we've seen the least is the defending champion. Mm. Yeah, Kurt is like almost a ghost in this. Good point, yeah. And I was kind of annoyed because I expected everyone... Because you have people like Rock, obviously, Triple H, um, Austin, Taker. The, everyone wanted an angle that had beef with everyone. You thought they would have all ganged up on him, but they didn't, really. Nah. He kind of sneaks out of it. Austin catapults Triple H into a car. And when I say about like, a dangerous precedent being set, another quite telling thing about this is that we don't get another hand in the cell for like a long time after quite this. Quite a while. And we don't see people like Bar Triple H and uh, Triple H and Jericho went on top of the cell, but I think the next time someone went on top of the cell was like Ambrose and Rollins. Wow, that long. So they really kind of like scale back the cell as a result of this. There's there's some great sounds in this part of the match where um, they use the replays and then a sound happens in real time at perfect moments. There's two. Uh, there's a moment where. Um, Undertaker is punching someone I can't remember who it is I think it's Kurt yeah. and then the replay thing when it comes off whip cracks <laughs> <laughs> looks like his fist is that quick <laughs> and then the other one is when um, uh, Triple H is catapulted into the car at the same time in real time Austin drops a barrel he, just, he hits the car just hear a big comedy going boom <laughs> <laughs> Triple H and Austin climb the hellacious structure bums are exposed and touched yeah and they begin to battle on top. Triple H teetering over the edge. It's fucking crazy. You get to stunner on top of the cell. Taker and Angle go on top. There's four people on top. It's yeah. madness. Triple H climbs down. Because obviously like, it comes to a point where it's like, right, you can't all be up here. Yeah. And they, there is like, awkward moments then where like they, just, they climb up and then they climb back down. Like, yeah. a, like AI in a video it's game. Like a, it's like a game of sit down and stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and Rikishi going up. Did you notice Rock sneakily helping Rikishi get his footing to get I up on top? Know. Yeah. You look back at that, there was a very cooperative struggle, let's just say, <laughs> to get on top of that thing. Rikishi and The Rock uh, up on top. Taker uses Intimidate, so the timekeeper tosses a chair. Yeah, I know. Like, he well. like, I, takes a few goes as well. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like, but the fact that he's able to make someone do it for him, you know, he's made Mark Eaton an accessory to this fact now as a result. Kurt gets KO'd with a chair immediately, wiped out. Yeah. Taker's chair shot. Horrible chair shot. Rikishi, however, gets the chair and he lays out Undertaker, and uh, Undertaker is taking a beating from Rikishi. They go over towards the edge, and we get the dreaded. Choke push onto marshmallows. Taker literally grabs him by the throat and goes, see ya. Mm. And yeah. Rikishi just flo- floats back. I'm not saying, oh, fuck's sake, bro. Should have went through the announcer's table. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, don't do it then. Don't do it full stop. Don't do a diminished version of it. Again. When he lands, all this fucking like, shit flies in the air. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it. And I-, I came up with a way where this could possibly work. Yeah. Uh, again, this is arm, armchair booking to the extreme. What I would have done earlier is when have Vince come out, but not with the truck. Mm-hmm. 
have Vince get get all get ejected again, have Vince happen, and then at this point when when Undertaker and Rikishi are fighting out, crazy Vince comes out <laughs> in the in the truck. Yeah, that would have yeah. crashes in crashing it into the cage. Yeah, that would make and more sense. And then that being a more opportunistic opportunity for yeah, yeah, yeah. a really quick sort of moment. That would be that would for me that would have been a, a holy shit moment. As mm. opposed to oh, they're going into that then, are they? Yeah, yeah. you know about time. You know, it just my reckoning on this is if it's not if you can't do it like if you have to compromise it to this level, just don't do it. Yeah, because it's not saying it's not dangerous. It still is dangerous. But if this is known as people look back and go, oh, remember the really shit choke slam Undertaker gave, uh, you know, and no one remembers this favorably. No one goes, no, oh, right. do you remember Undertaker did that? It's like, do you remember the shit choke slam and Rikishi fell onto all the hay? Yeah. How shit that was. And that's not the memory you want if you're falling off the hell in the cell. Fair fucks to Rikishi, though, falling backwards like that. Yeah, I mean, that's. Now you have the padding there, that's a scary thing to do. It's a scary do. thing to do, definitely. How, how much time does Rikishi take off now as a result of that uh, spot? He is gone until the Rumble. He's gone maybe two weeks. Mm. So he's gone until, like, right after this. And again, after this match, it says that, like, he's ruptured his spleen, so he's injured. Yeah. You know, and, like, Triple H also got injured as well. But they're both back in time for the next show. So this really doesn't. This is meant to be the kind of. The thing that gets Foley fired is because Rikishi gets a, a ruptured yeah. spleen and Triple H like uh, got another injury. Yeah, and that was meant to be like what gets Foley like kind of fired as a result, but it doesn't go down like that. Everyone reacts like big time though to Rikishi going off still, which does still give it like some credibility at this moment. Mm. Everyone's been cleared out, and once again we get the Rock and Austin facing off in the Hell in the Cell yeah. amidst all the carnage. Huge fury exchange. With the people's elbow finally being attempted by The Rock, which gets blindsided as Triple H comes in and clocks him. Rock bottom to Kurt Angle. Austin breaks it. Kurt is fucking a pool of blood. Yeah. He is covered. Never seen him like this before. Yeah. Uh A stone cold stunner. The Rock becomes a rubber band and flops around the ring. Kurt slithers onto The Rock as Austin and Triple H are still fighting. Kurt inexplicably wins. He's still the champion. The, la- the least likely outcome of this one but that was your Armageddon Hell in a Cell I thought that this match was good in it really under it, it the things it did well was that it made Taker look like a complete badass mm-hmm. it made Kurt look like a sliming snivelling suck up full of suffer and suck son <laughs> it really made him seem like you know like a little shit and I yeah. really I was like I felt as a kid I got robbed I didn't get to see Kurt Angle get beat up yeah but other than that though I think there was a lot of missteps and it was confusing to watch it just kind of it jumped the shark for hell in the cells it ruined that gimmick for a long time and it was I think it was an outcome that was inevitable if you put six people in the hell in the cell yeah, yeah absolutely. what do you guys think of this one overall it was a bad match for the same reasons you said I think I personally I was actually more annoyed about the way Angle was in the match I think that because you, you had the stuff beforehand where it's sort of like, no, I don't need Triple H and Rikishi, I can't trust them, I'm going to do it by myself. Yeah. And he didn't even have that one moment where he gets, you know, a bit of dominance and he does an angle slam or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. He didn't get that he moment. He literally like, gets one finger on So it's like, why are you setting him up as if he is going to be a bit more independent and a bit stronger yeah, now? Yeah, need to not follow through on it. Counterintuitive. Uh, what do you think of it then, Billy, your first and last Armageddon now in the cell? Um, when I was watching it, I did somewhat enjoy aspects of it. Just... Some of the 
there was bad chaos and then there was good chaos yeah, yeah. in equal measure in this match and I enjoyed the good chaos. Yeah, definitely. Um, I originally, on my notes, wrote this down to be my match of the night. Mm. I am taking that away now after talking about it. Yeah. But, but yeah, it just didn't work on so many levels. Yeah. It just wasn't right. And the way you view this as well is that when you look at this card, I mean, this seems like a short episode than normal, folks. It's because... This card is like padded to the extreme. And when they sat down, they booked this. They there was a moment when they would have been right. If we do do this, the rest of the pay per view is going to suffer. And the rest of the pay per view did suffer. And I don't think it was worth it. Because mm. if this was like, oh man, the like most memorable all time kind of you know uh, hell and cell match, and it was a whole new level of brutality or whatever, I wouldn't have minded you know the shorter matches. The lots of interviews if this match kind of made up for it but it didn't and no. therefore I think this pay-per-view it left me on a bit of a sour note did uh, Armageddon 2000 but that's going to do it for this one I mean what happens after this is that we get the power struggle between uh, Foley and McMahon continuing uh, Rikishi has his ruptured sleeve in the game as the game Triple H gets a herniated disc in his back so Mick Foley is made to be retired wants to be retired Vince is like puts out his letter of retirement that he has to sign and like, because the next night on Raw, it gets even worse because like Al Snow gets really seriously hurt by Raven in a hardcore match. Like Raven uses a cinder block on him and Foley just nonchalantly puts people in a table testicle match or whatever. Mm. And like, Vince is kind of like, this is ridiculous. You've not learned anything. Foley tears up the resignation letter. But the next week, as it's transpired, that because Linda McMahon is no longer capable of carrying out her functions... That Vince McMahon is now the CEO. Yeah. And Mr. McMahon is back. And he fires Mick Foley. Oh. It's the end of the Foley era. Thoughts on Commissioner Foley's run? I, I, I adored it. I, looking back, I adored it even more. My favourite authority figure that wasn't Vince McMahon, I think. Like, outside of Vince, I don't think I can think of a character that was so perfect in the authority role. The greatest face authority figure ever. Absolutely. Proving you could be funny and serious at the same time. Yeah. What did you think, Billy? Um, it really makes me wish I'd watched the Roars. Yeah. Because I, like, I, like, I really enjoyed the Foley moments that we've had on pay-per-view but I feel that's just the tip of the iceberg it is definitely and there's, there's so much stuff which I'm now going to go back and look at definitely well the network obviously adding all Attitude Era yeah. laws at the moment definitely anything from mid to late 2000s Foley's or Commissioner it's good times folks seriously only around six months but I really it's enjoyed it it's a good it. run definitely really good run Vince McMahon back in charge however and things take a bit of a turn for the weird why is Linda McMahon not able to fulfill her duties as CEO? Because well, she's in a coma. Oh, it's the coma story. Yeah. Right. Vince McMahon done cast a spell on her. <laughs> More on that next More time. on that in our next episode. But all we do now is a match of the night MVP. Billy. Uh, MVP, Kane. Mm. Um, they actually... And this has been a problem with Kane since he debuted for me. Is he's presented as this big unstoppable monster, and he always fucking Constantly, loses. He always is the stoppable monster. And and he he lost here, but it felt like it was, yeah, any monster would get stuck under a bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's a viable loss. Such an me. ideal win, wasn't it? Because yeah. Jericho looks good and Kane looks good. Yeah, perfect. And it was the first time they've made him look like monster in defeat as well yeah. yeah and i've really enjoyed that i think his, his, his him in the match 
absolutely great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Would that be your match of the night match as well? Match of the night, yeah, exactly the same. Fantastic. Uh, Adam, match of the night MVP. Complete agreement with Billy for the same reasons as what he Kane said. Kane and the Kane Y2J last time, sir? Yeah, the feud. Like, it was nice that the, the feud got all rounded off with this match, this fucking bomb burner of a match. And like Billy said, it was nice that Kane finally had that kind of opportunity. He's only had it once or twice so far on Definitely, pay-per-view. Yeah. It's nice to see Kane being pushed as a monster force. Yeah, I'd say I would echo your sentiments for Match of the Night. That was definitely my favourite. A match which at Survivor Series seemed like them just throwing two guys together. Yeah. And they they took this feud of Ed Coffee and made it so much more. This could have just been a one-and-done, nothing feud. And they made it special. They made Jericho look... The things that are cool about Jericho were accentuated and the things that are cool about Kane. MVP, I'm actually going with The Undertaker because I thought in that Hell in the Cell match with six people, it always felt like Undertaker was doing something and he felt like he held that match together. He was the glue that held it together in many respects. And I also thought as well his promo that he did, even though he had the silly uh, line, I thought his promo where he talked about kind of what had happened in the cell mm -hmm. really gave the match legitimacy, much more than a lot of the clips actually ended up doing. Well, that's because I think it's, it's his yard. Exactly. <laughs> and if you try him, Billy, he'll make you famous. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Attitude Era podcast. Thank you so much for listening in and uh, tuning in, as always, on SoundCloud, iTunes, or on Stitcher. Make sure you're subscribed. Get those episodes downloaded directly. Leave us a rating or review, helping us get into those top 10 charts quite a bit recently, beating other podcasts with actual wrestlers in them. Always feels very good. Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast. Spoofs and goofs, fan art. Go and have a chat with us. Send us a message. All of it over there. Give us a like at Facebook.com slash Attitude Era podcast. Head on over to YouTube.com slash AE podcast and you can find some little video clips we've got. Some of our favorite moments from episodes past. You can also find more video content of ours at, at AE podcast on Vine. You'll really like it. Stuff and things at. Botcha mania. Botcha mania. That's fucking good, man. That's fucking good, like, you know. It's almost as good as Calvin Kelly, but I mean, I won't take that from you. Calling spots as well, be sure you check out Wrestling's number one printed publication now. We contribute frequently. If you like to style and tone this show, get yourself a subscription. Available now, £2 per issue. The UK wrestling written scene is thriving thanks to Calling Spots. It's an awesome publication. We're very happy to be a part of it. And as well, if you want to get back to this podcast monetarily, ProWrestlingTees.com Attitude Era podcast t-shirts are available now to purchase. They're available all for $20 with shipping to the UK and to the US. Help support us out by wearing a tee. People who wear their tees to wrestling shows and WWE shows, you're fucking awesome. Mwah. And every time I see an Attitude Era podcast fan with a bewildered 90s mid-carder as they're wearing an Attitude Era podcast <laughs> t-shirt, I'm very happy, let's just say. Also, as well, if you want to give back monetarily, you can support us, get some little extra content in your pocket. Selfie.com forward slash AE podcast or commentary tracks for wrestling movies and documentaries are available now to download for a rightly sum of $5 or £3. You purchase with PayPal, watch some classic wrestling movies like Beyond the Mat, Wrestling with Shadows, CM Punk, Best in the World, and Stone Age Smackdown. All available to hear our thoughts on. We've had great reviews so far. People seem to enjoy these. Why not watch a wrestling movie with Kevin, Adam, and Billy this evening? And, uh, check out selfie.com slash podcast. Just before we sign off, guys, I wonder if I could take a minute here to mention um, our boy Brian Zane, who um, got in 
You might remember a few episodes back, we had him do the Jim Cornette impression at the start of the show, the little fake plug, very funny. But um, I recently finally checked out his show for the first time on YouTube, Wrestling With Regret. Regret spelt with a W, like wrestling as well. I've got to say, honestly, and this isn't like a plug or anything, this is a genuine recommendation. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Holy shit, what a great show that guy's got over there. If you're a wrestling fan yeah. and you don't have any like YouTube shows to watch, because I know I sure didn't for wrestling, Go and check out Wrestling With Regret. He's very smart, very funny, and can put together a good show. Well informed, well edited, yeah. slick, funny as hell. And I, you know, I love watching them because I find that new shit all the time. Yeah. I think it's really, really great. And again, we're not blowing smoke out asses here or anything like that. We wouldn't pull. We wouldn't. Uh, endorse it or say that we think it's good unless we genuinely exactly. watch it. I just want him to get a bit more exposure. He's so fucking And talented. I think Adam and I have both binge-watched all of it in the last <laughs> yeah. few weeks, so we just had to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, Please yeah. check him out. Check him out. So it's going to be a goodbye for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time. It's entering into the last year of the Attitude Era. 2001. We've got a heavy plate ahead of us as we talk about fucking divorces fucking mistresses and big shows coming back yeah are you shitting me it's the royal rumble 2001 i cannot wait we'll catch you next time